All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Course Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. Yo, yo, check it out. It's Fonte Fontigolo here with this week's QLS Classic. All right, this week we talked to the man, the myth, the legend, Marley Maul. This one was originally released January 11, 2017. And listen, it's Marley Maul. You already know what it is. Marley Maul, Juice Crew. We talking everything. LL, Mama Said Knock You Out. He shares some of the studio secrets and talks about how he earned his spot as a legend in the early New York City scene. This is an incredible episode with one of my favorite producers of all time. Get into it. QLS Classic. All right, peace. Yeah, I know the time. Yeah, we finna rock this. Yeah, at the drop of a dime, baby. Roll call, Suprema, Suprema, roll call, Suprema, Suprema, roll call. My name is Fonte. Yeah, I got so much soul. Yeah, Quest Love Supreme. Yeah, and we in control. Roll call, Suprema, Suprema, roll call, Suprema. Suprema Roll Call. My name is Steve. Yeah. Without a flaw. Yeah. They call me Sugar. Yeah. Because I get raw. Roll Call. Suprema Roll Call. Suprema. Suprema Roll Call. I'm on pay bill. Yeah. To the extreme. Yeah. Dropping bars. Yeah. Quest Love Supreme. Roll Call. Suprema. Suprema Roll Call. Suprema, roll call. When it comes to rhyming, yeah, I have no skills. Yeah, so what's my name? Yeah, just call me Boss Bill. Yeah. Roll call, Suprema, Suprema, roll call, Suprema, Suprema, roll call. My name's Black Ear. Yeah, with New Year. 
years blessings. Yeah. Can't wait to play. Yeah. Bitch, you guessed it. Roll call. Yeah, right? Suprema. Su su Suprema roll call. Suprema. Su su Suprema roll call. My name is Marley. Yeah. It's all on me. Yeah. When we get through, yeah. Do a symphony. Roll call. Suprema. Su su Suprema 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 roll call. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. Yeah. Woo. Uh, welcome to another episode of Quest Love Supreme, the first of this new year. Happy New Year to all of you. Supremas. Yes, we made it. We, we, we absolutely made it. Yes. We did not like jinx ourselves at all <laughs> <laughs> last year. We did not jinx ourselves whatsoever. No. Uh, I'm your host, Quest Love, and we have another really great show in store for you. Uh, on the show today, we have one of the most important people in hip hop history. And that's no, and that's not an exaggeration. No, and I'm known to exaggerate. I'm known to <laughs> go full extreme on no, everything. No, no, but no, seriously, you you would no, not we know <laughs> sarcasm. No, seriously, I, I I wouldn't lie to you. No, for real. Um, this 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 man was a is a pioneer, and and he is history, and I I don't want to make it sound like it's 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 old in the past, but this man is one of the most important figures in my now, opinion. Now his DNA runs through everybody. Yes, like in, the, in the development of some of the best moments in hip hop history. Hey, hey, hey! I don't breathe dust now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's welcome our elder. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let's just give it up for Marley Mall. Hey, hey, what's up? hey! What's going on? What's going on, family? Hello. Right. How are you? How are you? I'm good. Ah, uh, thank you, thank you for coming. Uh, you I know. got to be here. You know, you called, and I got to come here at the drop of a dime. Yeah, yeah see, <laughs> you, you came, you came. Yes, uh, we have so many questions. Uh, yeah. For starters, I'm really glad that you're here because, for all of the folklore that we've heard about hip hop history in the Bronx, 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 in the Bronx um, I know that the other boroughs have their history too, and that's rarely, rarely, rarely heard about. No doubt, no doubt. And I know that you were born in, in, in Queens, correct? Queens, Queensbridge Projects. You know, um, 96 Buildings of Terror, AKA, you know, but that's right. where I was brought up in LIC, Queensbridge Projects. Really? Yeah. So you were born there and you- Born you... and raised there, I lived there all my life. I mean, my mom's, she was there before I was born, you know. Oh, wow. And then, you know, um, then when I'm, when I was born, then we moved to another apartment, and then we was there for 40 more years. You know, I was I'm lucky enough to be able to get my mom's a, a house in my career later on in life and finally move her out the project, but right. my mom's was there for over 40, 40 joints. Wow. So what was... Hardcore! <laughs> so what was... What is the history of, of hip-hop coming to Queens? Like... To hear to hear the folklore say it, it was only in the Bronx and only in the Bronx. But I mean, for you to be as legendary as you were, did you, are you telling me that you had to travel all the way to the Bronx to get? Well, the first time I ever heard hip hop, it was I was in high school because we had DJs in Queens. It was more on the on the disco tip, mm -hmm. you know. Because when you when you when you look at hip hop and what they did for it and coined the phrase hip hop around what they were doing, it was a little different from what everybody else was was doing in the city. You know, when Cool Herc 
had his parties. He was playing the break parts of the of the music. In Queens, they was playing the whole mu- the whole record, the whole song, the whole song. Okay, but they was taking the break sections, and you know that's why I could say that you know everybody had DJs, everybody had their movement, everybody had their toasters on the mic. Mm-hmm. But I could tell you that 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 hip hop element. It, it it definitely came from Cool Herc because he was the first person, and maybe it wasn't on beat. You, you get what yeah, I'm saying? I heard a lot of the tapes. Right, right, right. It wasn't really, really, right, right. There you go. It wasn't really on beat, but you know they were they they brought something different. They was playing that the break beat part of of Apache where. In, in Queens, we'd have played the whole record. So, did you just come out the gate loving music? Like, how did music um, into your me. life, like in, in it, your childhood? It got to me because my older brother, Larry Lab, in, 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 in the record The Bridge. I said, Larry Lab? Third, least not last. Yeah, it was right. like Jappy Jap, um, Gas, um, cool brother by the name of Gas, T Tom, and then my brother, Larry Lab. They was early DJs in Queensbridge in the Bridge record. Okay. Because, you know, in the Bridge record, we was just stating, you know, what we saw growing up. Right. So we were stating the things that we saw. We never said hip hop started in that rhyme. Oh, we where, know that. Yeah, we know that. But, you know, we just was describing things we seen growing up. And my older brother was a DJ. And, you know, my stepfather kind of, you know, talked him out of being a DJ. He's like, yo, you know, you know, there's no real money in that. You know, go to service, man. Go to service. So he went to service. Fall back on something. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it was all good because he went to the service and he worked at NASA and retired from NASA. So he did really well. Okay. You know, I, I took the DJ route. Yeah, I was going to say, who inherited, I cheated. Who, who inherited <laughs> that, the records? Yeah, he. that's why, you know, uh, my record, um, I, my, my, my library is kind of extensive because I got their records. When he left, I had Hitachi. I had, you know, um, a lot of the records that I was sampling right. um, was their records. So you had the natural version, yes. not the right. I ultimate had the, beats and breakers. That's right. right. I had the original, the, the right. African one with the, with the other beat yeah. on the other side. Right. The colorful one. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, what was digging like back then if there wasn't a thing as digging culture? I mean, for me, digging was just going to my brother's crates at that stuff they used to play because they were dancer guys. They was, you know, they was, they was break dancers before break dancers. Everybody was... A dancer or every DJ crew had like they dance crew with them. I could just say it like just that. Just to spice up the yeah, party. There you go. Right. So in all the records they used to play, digging for me was just going to my brother's old records that they used to play because I used to see them play a lot of records. And by the time I got to be a DJ, I would remember a lot of stuff that would make the the the, the party move, and I would just go right into my brother's records. And then, I, uh, to be honest, a lot of the records that I would find. And start sampling. Then they would make those breakbeat records after. What year is this around? Um, my brother, I started DJing around about 78 or 77, I got the bug. There was a, like a song called Disco 77 out. Okay. It, had, it had drums on it. And, you know, and I heard that. I was like, oh, okay. And I played at a, you know, a house party in Queensbridge. It was probably around that time. But before that, my brother and them was DJing in the park. They was the first DJs to come out in Queensbridge. Okay. That was the first time, you know, ground zero hip hop was my brother and them doing they break, they dancing and all that in the middle of the block. And so, that, you know, then everybody else started DJing out there. So would they, they would throw the parties in? Yeah, they would in, throw the parties in, Queens, in Queensbridge Center or they would be on the block first. Then it got so big where they had to take it to the um, River Park across the street, Queensbridge Park. So how, in my in my mind, I'm thinking the folklore of you know, the park jam that you always hear hip-hop historians speak of. Yeah. All right, being as though you've seen every level of presentation from the park jams to full-blown concerts. Straight from the tapes. 
You got to start with the tapes that was just circulating the city first. But what I want to know is, what were the sound systems really like? Oh, okay. Like, well, I could tell you to be honest. Um, I, I'm gonna just go down the line. The Bronx, they had like a lot of house speakers put together. It was like a lot of people putting their, you know, like house putting speakers. them together. Yeah, putting their house speakers together, piling them up, taping them together, and that's how they used to come out, which was cool because you had to use what you had. Right. Um, and in Queens, they had a little bit more money, so that the sound systems was a little better. The um, King Charles and these guys used to come out with. You know, they had they had Richard Long systems. <laughs> really? They was, How? It was Richard Where Long. would you store them? Like they believe me, um King Charles and them, they 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 had I believe they had the Richard Long system. And you know, twins had a Richard Long system. Disco twins had Richard Long birthdays. The, the Queens guys was coming out with the birthdays then the then Brooklyn now right. since the Caribbean and Brooklyn was always bumping right. forever. You know, there was always Eastern Parkway. So that rubbed off on the DJs. Okay. So so when you was coming through on Eastern Parkway with the Jamaican music, somebody figured out, yo, it don't gotta be playing Jamaican music with this music with this sound. You could put hip, you could put disco. Regular records on. Yeah, regular records. So Brooklyn was banging with systems because Eastern Parkway was always the shit. Okay. And and it kind of rubbed off because you gotta think about this is what's never mentioned in, in hip hop and the creation of hip hop and how it was formed. Jamaica has a big influence on how it was started here. Yeah. You look at the the, the main people, the main players, Herc. Yeah. You know, the the um the system guys, you know, the the, the sound system guys used to come out. The um you know, um what's his name? Pete DJ Jones and them, you know, all these guys used to come out with big systems. Right. Um what's his name? King Charles was Jamaican. He had one okay. of the biggest systems in the city back in the days. So just to let our listeners know, in Jamaica like the more bass you had, the right. more bass cabinets right. you had, right? You know, st- stomach rumbling inducing, right? Basses. Right. That was the important factor, right? Now, when you speak with Cool Herc, he was basically probably jamming, bringing his music out for what he seen when he was in Jamaica as a kid. The music was always out. He got to America. Yo, it's boring around here. Let's bring the music out. Right? What you talking about? I see. Bring in the you, let's, let's, let's go to the park. Let's take it to the. Let's have a party over. Bring the music out. The sounds. What are you talking about? Let me show you what I'm talking about. He did it. Then he probably got bored of playing the whole record. The get down part. Oh, that's the part everybody get get excited about. I'm gonna do a whole party with just playing those. That's what he said, and that's how it started. I'm so, just gonna play the hot parts of the records. That's it. You were playing these parks in '77. No, um, I was watching the Disco Twins. My brother and them was playing probably about '75 ish. Okay. 74-ish and 3-ish. By then, my brother went to, to the service. I started seeing the disco twins come. I got in high school. I heard rap for the first time. And, you know, I had formed my own little crew. I was a little DJ around the way. Mm-hmm. We wasn't we wasn't doing, we wasn't, um, we wasn't rocking break beats. We okay. just, we was doing what we saw. Okay. You, you get what I'm saying? Right. So we saw the disco twins in our area. So, I, obviously, we was following that. But when I heard rap and got my crew together, the game changed. I'm assuming that around 78, 79, it, it hits you. Or like, how do those tapes come from the Bronx? How do they go to Queens? Like, All right. So it, it was it was weird because those tapes in the early part of hip hop, when, you know, when they was only doing it in the Bronx and Harlem, those tapes would go throughout the city like fucking, like the internet. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. They would spread throughout town like the internet. Everybody would be coming to school with one of those tapes. And, you know, it was the greatest thing about that time. We, 
you know, the, the schools were so integrated in New York City at that point. You had people from Harlem in your school. You had people from the Bronx in your school. Mm-hmm. You know, you had people from Queens. So one good thing I can say about the schools in New York City, you was able to see everybody's style because everybody was, it was all integrated. You know, you, you, people was from Manhattan in your school, so you got to see what they was doing in Manhattan. I was, I was in a school called Manhattan High. We had dudes from the Bronx. So what would they do in the lunchtime? If somebody wasn't over there beating on a table, somebody was coming through with a big radio, okay. playing, playing a breakout tape with echoes. And everybody's like, oh. And I'm like, I heard somebody rhyming over Dance with the Drummers beat. It changed my life. Really? Yeah, that changed my life. I heard it was on the So this is way before tape. Rapper's Delight and yeah, yeah, before. Yeah, this is before Rapper's Delight. I heard it was just a breakout tape. And, you know, it was Dance with the Drummers beat. And it, it, of course, they was cutting it off beat because you know they didn't probably didn't have Q yet. But he was right. up there talking and going freak out, out, and they had the echo on it, and it was boom, and he was going yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yo, yo, and the echo out. Yo, me and Polo looked at each other because Polo was in my school, DJ Polo. DJ Polo, okay. He was in my school. We looked at each other like, yo, what the fuck is that? Wow. <laughs> and yo, the rest was like, it was yo. I went and started a crew, a short shot crew in Queensbridge after that. And I was on my way. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes... I guess identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Queensbridge at this time, like if you live there all your life, right. are you recognizing a three-year-old Nazir Jones? Do you see like, um, oh, that's 
no. five-year-old prodigy and <laughs> with the, the little toy duds. guns, <laughs> the toy <laughs> guns in the window. No, <laughs> no it wasn't like it wasn't quite like that. Um, the funny thing about um, prodigy wasn't from the bridge, but havoc. He actually lived in Bernard Fowler's building because there's so much. Bernard Fowler from the Peach Boys that also sings. Don't make me wait. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, crap. Yeah. He live here too? Yeah, he's from QB. He sings sings with the Rolling Stones right now. Yeah, I know Pete. Yeah, yeah. So they lived in the same building. Damn. Like lightning struck twice in that building. (laughs) So the Peach Boys... That whole family is from that. Oh, uh, Bernard Fowler and his brother Fred, and yeah, and, yeah, and, and his sister, Damn. Miriam. They from Queensbridge. I never knew that. Yeah, they from Queensbridge. Okay. Now I was in the next building from that, making all my hits. Really? Yeah, that was on 12th Street. So I used to hear uh, Havoc's uncle blasting the music out of his window on the fourth, because the Fowlers, I think they lived on the first or the second in the building. And then the funny thing, Dimples D lived in the next building. So it was a lot happening on 12th Street right there. So you would have the, the the system battles of the windows. Yes, 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 in the right in the windows. <laughs> Your yes. own radio that's station. That's right. Was battling right out the window, and that's that was the house where I made like everybody's president. That was the house where I would watch the people walk across the block and go to the train station. If they wouldn't stop dancing, if they wouldn't stop and start dancing, I would scrap the beat. What? Right. <laughs> So I, <laughs> so I knew I was blasting them out the window. If nobody would stop and go, oh, oh, oh. I'll probably scrap the beat and start something else until I see somebody do that. And those are most of the beats that I kept. That's dope research. Like that's yeah. that's, that's like we should go back. It's yeah. like your your that's Barry Gordy sandwich test. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. A dollar of this sandwich. What the song what you buy? Where do you make the transition from? Because I I guess the first time that I heard of you, um, that Aleem's record was really, really big in Philadelphia. <laughs> and that was Leroy Burgess, right? Yes, was, it definitely okay. was in the Alims. What's, so, fun, what's funny about that is like that's where I was headed. Before the kind of well, okay, explain explain to me the edit culture because I know that between like eighty two mm-hmm. and eighty four, there was like the the Latin Rascals. Right. Uh, I mean, who who else were in was in that world where they used those like uh, the Art of Noise hard drums and. You right. know what I mean? Like those yeah. jelly bean, jelly bean yeah, like, yeah, jelly bean was in that. Um, so you were about to go that route first? Yeah, I, I was, yeah, because, you know, you got to think. Um, like, uh, you know, the the, the great Daryl Payne also lived on my block in Queensbridge, too. Okay. So he wrote a lot of records, like, Thanks to You. Yeah. And, you know, he, he has, he, I can't even sit here and mention all his records, but he lived on the block, too. Okay. So Andre Booth was there. It was like, it was so musical in Queensbridge. These guys had records before me on the radio. You know, Andre Booth made this beat his mind, Rock Shock, and all of that. All these dudes lived in my hood. And I'm looking at these guys like, wow, these are gods. Their music is on the radio. I'm not even a DJ yet. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to hang around these guys. You get what I'm saying? And, you know, and, 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 and figure out what they're doing in the studio. And Andre gave me a shot to hang out, and he introduced me to Arthur Baker. And, oh, and that's wow. how I started, you know, that's how I started. Um, matter of fact, the first session I ever went to with, with him was Jazzy Sensation. Back so you were day. an apprentice of Arthur Baker. Yes. Yep. Explain to me what Arthur Baker yeah. was. Yes. Dog, I, the things you learn. Exclusive. Teach us all. Who's, so who's Arthur Baker? So Arthur Baker is, I mean, pretty much, uh, you know, Planet for Rock. Planet Breakers, Rock. Planet oh, Rock. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what was it, Breaker's Revenge yeah. on yeah. Beat Street? Yeah. Like. And I believe, did he not have a hand in Candy Girl as I well? I was about to say, like, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Street Rock Edition. 
Elena. That's why Dimples D record was on Streetwise. Party okay. time. My right. first record. Wait, I thought it was Sucker DJs. Yeah, Sucker DJs. Sucker okay. DJs. That, that was on, on Party Time. The Records. Party Time. It was on Party Time label. That was because I remember it's yours being on Def, Party Time Def Jam. Right. So who who owned Party Time? Um, that was Arthur Baker, I believe. And I think later on they broke off and went to with Russell with that. I, I, I do believe so I. So you mean seen to both. tell me that Rick Rubin and Arthur ba Baker could have been a combo Woo. and it fell apart, and then we're. I don't know the things you learn. Yeah, they, they could or have the been. things I had to investigate. Yeah, yeah. That so could, that could have been something. By that point, like what? How legendary was Arthur Baker's status? Um, to be honest, when he first heard my um, Dimples D demo, he was working in a warehouse in, in Astoria, Queens. Oh man. Okay. We went to go see him at a warehouse at lunchtime. So it was nothing popping for him yet. <laughs> <laughs> Not even Planet Rock or I, it was. He's just starting the label because we had party time and that was the beginning of the label. That was like one of the first two records off the label. So when he first started dropping hits, dropping his joints, my he heard my demo at lunch break in the story at a warehouse <laughs> next wow. to Astoria Projects. That's so where he's working. What equipment now around? I guess this is eighty three, eighty two, eighty three, or. Mm -hmm. What equipment are you using at this at this time? Ooh, I had a four track cassette in my house, a Tascam that I borrowed from my dude Paul. It wasn't even mine. Okay, so you were just and using that's when I made Marley Scratch off that one. But I'm saying, like, what what drum machine? What drum device? Um, I had Marley Scratch. I made it off of my 808 triggered by my Korg SD. It was a sampler or a delay for one second sampler. Our delay, and it had, but but the important part on it, it had trigger inputs on the back, so that enabled me to trigger off my 808 to whatever sound I had in there. So that's how I was able to make my beats. So this is leading me to it's believe science. It's science. <laughs> but this, science. <laughs> this is leading me to believe that you actually read the manual instructions on your drum machines, because with most people I know, they were just like. I taught myself, or blah blah blah. Taught me, or um, I learned trigger, trigger. I call it triggerology from working at Unique Recording, because you know if I was working there with Arthur and them, believe me, all every record that was ever made in that era was made at Unique. So Shannon what was he working them, on? They like, was they was they was already into triggering, like they was already into triggering drum sounds on all they dance stuff. Wow, already. <laughs> So can you explain how that because it sounded so it sounds so futuristic. Right. I mean, especially in in the 80s, 83, yeah. 84. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this is pretty much the, the, the club breakdance soundtrack of that period. Right. But this is not made with musicians. Right. I mean, first of all, were you just accepting of the fact that there has to be a new way to make music and make dance music and mm. All this technology I have to learn. Yeah, I mean, especially at that studio. Like, yeah, I was I was very 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 fortunate because the guy Bobby Nathan that owned Unique, he was like a tech head. Okay. Anything that came out, he would want to be the first studio in New York to have it. Come make your shit over here because we got the Synclavia. They had the Synclavia before anybody had it. They had the uh, the Synclavia. They had the the um, yeah. emulator Fairlight. They had that. They had um, everything before everybody. They had the emulator. They had everything. That's how I was playing the emulator on Release Yourself. They didn't even have a 1200 out yet. 
Let me. I, I, I do want to play that version. What What makes it? Because you're not. You didn't produce the actual. Leroy Burgess produced. Right. Yeah, it yourself. was them and them and the Alims. The Alims, those brothers. The Alims, the twin brothers. What's so weird about this is that when this got to Philadelphia, like it, this is on side two. It's like the dub version. Right. But somehow that became the that only the version. To play, I've never even heard the actual proper <laughs> the radio edit. Like, <laughs> so yeah, okay. This, this this definitely ruled my summer in 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 Philadelphia during all the eighties. Uh, this is release yourself. Release yourself. Uh, the Molly Mall remix by the what what they were called the Fantastic Fantastic Aline. Yeah, the Fantastic Aline. You, you gotta put that in there. there you go. It's Course Love Supreme only on Pandora. So that was release yourself. Whew. One of the was this your first remix or that was that was actually one of my first remixes that I've done. That's that was one of the hottest ones, and that's where I was going musically. That's where I was going. I was not even thinking about hip hop. Yeah, I read uh, in your interview with uh, NPR a couple years ago, you were saying that you were kind of headed more towards the electronic yeah. side of things. Yeah, I mean, come on, I grew up off of Giorgio Moroder, bro. Giorgio Moroder made me a producer. He made me want to get into technology because they was doing things. Way before everybody mm-hmm. in Germany, you gotta hear they they was triggering in the sixties. Come on, so right. I'm looking at these guys like yo, they they way ahead of everybody over here. I'm trying to be like them. How did they make I feel love sound like that? It bugged me out. So by that point, your goal was to elevate club music and like, what was your feelings of hip hop at the time? You were looking at hip hop. I and didn't. You were saying, I didn't like hip hop. I, I, I was. A, <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I did not expect that. No, no, no. You know, I, I liked hip hop tapes. I loved the hip hop tapes, but I didn't like hip hop records. <laughs> I don't really. I, don't, I didn't really like hip hop records. I was like, come on. So when you heard too love rap, when yeah. you heard love rap, you weren't like, I gotta grab well, four of these um, or love rap. That was later on. Love rap was a little bit. Later. Well, no, no, no. I just meant like there was some notable yeah, that was, that was oh kinda, shit moment. That was kind of like later on. But the early joints, like the King Tims, come on, yeah, bro. Yeah. You, you get what I'm saying? Even 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 you know, as a DJ, you didn't think like, okay, this will keep the party going. This is what the kids want. Nah. <laughs> that is shocking to you hear know, the you, god you, of hip hop culture. No, because I'm telling you, because I had to switch. Right, you have to think about the time. The records right, right. that. That's why I had. That's why to come change things. But hear me out. Hear me out. You got to hear me out. You get what I'm saying? Because first I was like, yo, I don't, I don't really. I don't like where it's going because when I first heard rap, it was off of a tape. It was scratching. Right. It was echoes. It was breakbeats. It was like an occasional gunshot from a from a from a fight at the you know because right. the, the tapes used to sometime end with a with a shootout. Oh yeah, everybody scuffling and running, and right. it's the end of the tape. Oh, it was a shootout. Oh, the party was a shit. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but you know. So once it got on wax, you felt it got too homogenized. Right. And- I, I felt that it, it didn't sound like what I fell in love with. It wasn't. It wasn't James Brown. You get what I'm saying? Because, I, I see. Because, because the tapes I was getting. Come on, you 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 throwing on funky drum and they rhyming with the echoes over that. Now you want to give me a band playing good times? Yeah. And I'm supposed to be impressed after I was been cutting up good times and seeing the crowd react to how they react to to the real stuff and the real D and a real MC on it. So when the records came out, I was like, Nah, it ain't like that. That's weird because I mean, having no knowledge of that. Yeah. I mean, I would listen to 
I would listen to something like, uh, okay, take like Sugar Hill Groove. Mm-hmm. I knew about Catch a Groove because mm-hmm. I grew up next door to a DJ. Right. Um, so I always remembered hearing the real right, right, and always knows he always played the, like our rooms were adjacent to each other right. in our household. So I always right. remember that break as a drummer. Right, I remember that break. Right, and didn't put two and two together that like oh okay Sugar Hill is just approximating. It didn't hit me until I was older that I got what they were doing. That the right. technology wasn't there to right. really. To really reproduce right. what that moment was. So you're saying that by that point, nothing on Sugar Hill impressed I you as I was, much. No, nah, I was not impressed. I was because you know even when I had the DJ for Magic, I wasn't I wasn't a hip hop DJ. I was a blender. I was playing in the clubs already. I was doing disco. So what was the first record that you heard on Wax beyond your own that you was like, all right, maybe. Um. It could have been around, maybe around around love rap because the, the beat was so hot. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that sounded like a break beat to me. So yeah. that, that's when it got a little better. But the earliest shit, I couldn't, I couldn't stomach it. I was like, nah, <laughs> this shit ain't going nowhere. But <laughs> yo, <laughs> yo, B, this shit ain't going nowhere. I'm saying in my mind. But you know, it kept going, and then Mr. Magic started playing it, and I wasn't even listening to Mr. Magic when so I. So was he established? Yeah, before you even started DJing right. with him. Yes, he was. He was on the radio playing rap music already. I was how, a, dis- how early I was was a disco DJ playing at Pegasus. He was on the radio playing rap. Okay, and, at, at what point was he on the radio? Um, he went to WHBI. It had to be, I, I it had to be like, it had to be like seventy. It's in the seventies or something like. 79. Oh, so he has long history. Yeah, seventy eight, seventy nine is maybe early eighties, something like that. Okay, he started going on the radio, but at that point, I wasn't even into the. I wasn't even. I, I, I was one to believe that it wasn't going nowhere until it started getting a little better. When did it get better to you? Um, sucker MCs. Ah, uh, sucker MCs. So tell me about Larry. Like right, sucker MCs gave me hope. I, it gave me so much hope. I made sucker DJs. <laughs> My first record. That's a mighty statement. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I want, I want, I want to run sucker DJs real quick. So Dimples D. Dimples D. Yeah. From your now, what building was she in? She's she's, a, she's from 12th Street in Queensbridge. She lived in that same row of buildings, Bernard Fowler and Havoc, and and I lived in. Okay. So this is your official first production. Yeah, my official first okay. production. Okay. The response to Sucker MCs from Run DMC. <laughs> The other night, I was feeling real good, so the feeling was right. I came to the party for a different kind of action. The next thing I know, I was doing a Michael Jackson. Uh, this is Questlove Supreme on Pandora. You just heard Sucker DJs by Dimples D. And today's guest, legendary DJ and hip-hop producer, Marley Marl. This is on a Lindrum? Lindrum. I even starts. And I went to Unique. I, I, I rented two hours a time. It was $35 an hour. You had to rent it? Yes, I had to rent it. You couldn't do it behind their back? No, no, no. I wasn't even working there yet. I just lived in the neighborhood. The studio was up the street. I heard they had a Lindrum in there, and I and I, and I got, it was um, $35 an hour. I got two hours of time. I went in there and tapped out a few beats and recorded them on my four track. And I took the four track home, and she did her vocals in my living room. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so the setup in your house, uh, I believe the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has a, 
the Marley mock, Kitchen. <laughs> have you seen it? It's like a mock setup of what your studio would look like. At least at the time when I was visiting the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, mm -hmm. this was like back in 2004, 2005. No doubt. What is your home system looking like at this point? I had like a little four track, a sunboard, and that was it. So what were your neighbors thinking at this moment? Um, they probably was thinking, well, I wish he would turn that shit down sometime. <laughs> <laughs> and take the speak out the damn window. <laughs> so at that time in the 80s, did you feel secure with like your livelihood inside that building? Or was it the, just that you never left it? Um, for anything to happen. No, I just never left it for anything to happen. Plus, I was a neighborhood DJ that, you know, people was getting famous, and people would sit outside my building just to see who was coming to my house. So it was all good at that point. Uh, okay, I want to ask about your pop art pop period. Art, yeah, yeah. Because I initially thought you were a Philly guy. Right. I'm from Philadelphia. Did. You know, I got I got I got to shout Philly out. Extra. How did you meet the Goodmans? Dude, Philly put me on really in hip hop, man. I got to say it because if it wasn't for Lawrence and them with Roxanne's Revenge, Roxanne's Revenge was pinnacle for me. Okay. That was like a pinnacle point in my career when I, I, I got taken serious after that. Before that, I was, you know, DJ on the, doing this some round, doing this, you know, trying to put out these other records and these songs. No. Nah. Okay. After Dimples, it, it blew up and Philly put me on. They so put us on. Just to let our, our listeners know, so... Around 1984, um, a group of Brooklyn producers, uh, Full Force, right, 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 um, put together a record called Roxanne, Roxanne. That's right. Um, UTFO. One of, actually, am I incorrect for saying that that might be the first time that an actual breakbeat was used on modern hip hop? Mm, that was because a, big beat. That's right. Big was, beat was on so the ed educated rapper's second verse. That's so. right. So, I don't know what it was about this record, but I mean, it's it's the typical storyline of three guys trying to kick it to a female, right? And they all get rejected, right? And somehow, I mean, this was one of the first viral moments. I mean, if it's social media were invented, this would be the trend number one trending topic because as a result, so many response records. Came yeah. out for Roxanne, Roxanne, and we didn't even mean. I didn't even mean for it to be a record. Once again, this was another Marley Mall exclusive. I want to have a special record for me being a DJ, and someone heard it and made a record out of it. <laughs> I was going to so say like, kinda like you want your like first a dub plate, right? Basically. I wanted a dub plate special with a female talking about I'm Roxanne, and I played it on Mr. Magic Show, and it was it was fire. It was like I played it a few days before Christmas. By, by Christmas Eve, it was number one on Billboard. Yeah. How did you meet uh, Roxanne Shante? Um, she lived on my block in Queensbridge, and she, you know, she's, I used to always see her in the ciphers on the block. You know, she used to always be in the ciphers. Her, a dude named Infinite, and MC Shan, they was like battling everybody on on 12th Street, and I used to always see them. And, you know, one day she she was doing her laundry, and she said, you know, she said, yo, Mark, she, she knocked on my door, yo, you know, you like that Roxanne record? I said, yo, she's like, yo, I got something for that. I'm thinking to myself, oh, I can have a special dub plate. Oh, come do that. So she came. We dub plated it up in one take. And she ran back down and was doing her laundry. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, yeah, wait, yeah. wait, what? <laughs> she did it between the laundry break? Yes, yes. Wow. Yeah, spring cycle. The cycle. <laughs> near, <laughs> the spring cycle, brother. One take. <laughs> Seriously, near one take? Yeah, one, near one take. One take. We had, I had one cassette playing the instrumental and the other cassette recording. 
and she got on the mic, did her thing in one take, ran back downstairs, and the next week she was a star. Are there two versions of that song? Yes, we had to redo it. I, yeah, I feel like I've yeah. heard the the original twelve inch. I heard with the ashy was, ashy one. That was the ash, that, yo. <laughs> let me explain. It wasn't as exciting, but then I heard a version where she's like right. really screaming. And, let me and, explain. Yeah, the first version that came out, they took the version that we played on the radio and pressed that one up, and that was the first batch of records that went out. The version I played off the radio, I didn't give them the master. We gave them a copy of us playing it on the radio. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! That's right, why right. he said that because he said it on the radio. Oh my goodness! I thought that was part of the record. Nah, no, no, the, that was wow. that was that was him live on the radio saying "Oh my goodness" after he played it. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta play this, yo. This is Roxanne's "Revenge" on Quest Love Supreme, <laughs> only on Pandora with the great Molly Mon. We'll be right back. And you know it's true. And let me tell you and explain them all. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, this is Quest Love Supreme. We're here talking to hip hop producer Marley Ma about his days uh, as a legend in the making. So, and also a hook singer. Here, right here. <laughs> My all the singing days. So, were you a part of the 
Other Roxanne's that came out because I saw Roxanne's Doctor. And, I know, yeah. I know. How many total Roxanne's? Well, there was the real Roxanne. It was the real Roxanne and Roxanne Shante. Roxanne Shante. The real yeah. Roxanne was the Puerto Rican girl right. from with the blonde hair. Right, yeah, right. that and was Full Forces. That was Full Forces Roxanne. Okay, and Doctor right. Roxanne Shante. See, yeah, that's the original. Yeah, right. Thank she you. was the first one. Okay. There you go. She was the first one. So, at any point, was there? I mean, in our heads, we're just thinking like, oh man, bloodshed, cat fight's going to happen. But at any point. Did you ever kick it with full force or the thought of the idea of, you know, doing something together or whatever? Um, no, nah, I think that went right out the window as soon as they came with the, you know, they tried to do a real Roxanne. Yeah. But she was, she was, she was dope. I mean, she, but, yeah, but she, she didn't had have life. the fire of Shantae, but she was really dope. And, you know, and, you know, after that, I mean, Shantae was the, the last one standing at the end of the day. Shantae was really you know, the first one that did it. Um, she was on all the tours. She got on Fresh Fest with all that. You get what I'm saying? She 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 had us on private planes real quick. Really? And I didn't even have a car yet. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So at this rate, uh, you're saying that this was catching on nationally? Yeah, yeah. We we had sometimes three shows in one day, and we had a private plane, so we could be here, go there, and then go to the next show, and just you know, it was, so it, this it was got just like that. away from like what were the gigs like? Was it just Tri-state, Northeast. Um, we would go, you know, we would go to, we went to Cincinnati. Then we would go to, um, what's that? Um, Pennsylvania. Okay. Then we'll go to, um, you know, maybe Ohio or something like that. We would do it like that, and just oh, hit the one song and one and done, and two, that's it. two songs and be out. You know, one song and I play the eight oh eight when I was just doing the freestyle, and then we'd be out. Really? Now this she'll point... pick somebody out of the crowd to this and get the crowd amped up. <laughs> oh, so, so she was on a Millie Jackson joint. <laughs> uh, who taught it? Like, so are you? Are you? Who's teaching the the entertainment aspect of mm. your juice cruise? Are, are you giving oh, suggestions? Let me tell you like, how let me you tell you something. Mr. Magic was very. If you think he was rude on the radio to other artists, you couldn't imagine how he would be. To, to us as artists, like, you, you ain't wearing that shit on stage with us. You're not going out like that. Oh, motherfucker, you ain't ready. He, <laughs> <laughs> he told Kane many a times, yo, you ain't going out on stage with your hair like that. What? And and then that's when Kane got started getting a high top fade. What did Kane have before? He had a big old afro. What? Uh, yeah, he's 70s. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Oh, he had damn. A big Mr. Afro. Magic would hate me then. Yeah, I know, Mr. Magic, you know what I'm saying? He's like, you can't go on stage like that and represent with us. Then all of a sudden, Kane came back with the high top fade. There you go. But it worked because he's kind of marketing them looking like, you know, if you're going to be the ladies' man, you can't be the ladies' man like that. So, oh, there you go. Now that's the look we're looking for. And they went with it, and and that's why Kane was the sex symbol out of us. So I, I guess we, <laughs> we should we should note that uh, what's notable about Marley's presence in, in hip-hop is the fact that, you know, you represent, will represent uh, a wave of, one of the first families in hip hop. There you go. As opposed to just, you know, individual acts coming yeah, out at yeah. the time. Yeah. And we're speaking of the Juice Crew. So, did you and Mr. Magic have this grand scheme like we're going to develop acts and then mm -hmm. I'll play them on our radio show and you'll spin it on the radio show? And you know, it was. You know what it was? We was in we was in such a battle, man. You got to think it was battle mode. A lot of the songs we made was ammunition to fight Red and Chuck. On, on Kiss FM, explain. Yeah. All right, explain the initial rivalry between Red and. All right, this is how it all started. Mr. Magic was on the radio right. on BLS 
for about a year. Then then Kiss FM decide, hey, they winning over there with their rap. Let's get let's get a let's rap get show too. Okay. So they got they got um Jazzy J first. Matter of fact, I think it was yeah, they got Jazzy J first. He did it for a minute. He didn't like it. He passed it on to Red. Then Red and Chuck started splitting it. And then after a while, okay, now we was doing it for a year, and then they started coming up. So that second summer, oh, it was brutal in the in the, in the city. Now it's two stations playing rap on the weekends. Now, all right, this is before the summer actually when school was in. Mm-hmm. This was the, this was just before that summer when everybody went to school with a new Red Alert tape or Mr. Magic tape every Monday. Back in school, you heard what they play? Da, da, da. So we started we started blowing up. Then those tapes would go around the world. Right. Those tapes would travel to Philly. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Y'all would get those tapes. Yes, we did. Down south. I know people down south in Atlanta was slinging tapes. You, you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So those tapes would move around. So it started a big radio rivalry. Kiss FM against WBLS. Mm. And, and now, now, all of a sudden, now I'm, I need ammo because Mr. Magic was the type of person, you know, God rest his soul, he, he was good at heart, but he would get on the air and diss, diss an artist. So that mean that artist would be mad at him. I gotta ask, on Nation of Millions, right? No was he really about a sucker. was yes. he really talking about them? Yo, one day I played a Public Enemy. Oh record. no! In the middle of the record, <laughs> he yo Molly Molly turn that off. He could cut his mic off. Turn that off. I turned it off. Yo man, no more music from the suckers. Play it real quick. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. And I was like, (laughs) I just thought they were. But but I'm looking at him like, yo, what did you just say, man? Yo, because I'm the DJ with you. Uh, I'm on the radio. Like, we on the air together. Right. Like, what did you just say, man? No more music from the sucker. So it went by. Then a few weeks later, Public Enemy put that on their on their record. When him, somebody took the recording of him saying it on the show and put it on their record, I was like, He is no. speaking of the beginning of Cole Amber and Flavor, which is... I guarantee you, no more music by the suckers. No more music by the suckers. No more music by the suckers. Yo, man, what do he mean by suckers, man? So how, do, how does Biz enter, and how oh, do wow. you see Biz... More than just a, a sidekick as a star. Like, how did you? How did you first meet him? Well, crazy. I was walking down the street and it was like, "Yo, there's a beatbox in the building," and I'm like, "Come on, man, for real, beatbox, schmeatbox." <laughs> you thought I was a fat? Yeah, I was like, "Come on." I'm like, "I'm like, yo, Dougie Fresh is out, Buffy, Buffy's out. Ain't nobody touching them dudes. You get what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's gonna be hard." I said, "I don't even want a hair dude," but he's like, you know, but. You gotta check him out, Marl. He, yo, he's phenomenal. He's something special. So I go back to the building. He's doing a beatbox in the building. All of a sudden, when he went, ah, right, bro, come to my house tomorrow, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you dope kid. That was like he, he blew me away. He started like one two, one two, boom, boom, boom. I am introduce my name is Bismarck. And they start. I was like, yo, if you if you crazy enough to chop your neck in front of me. <laughs> so at that point, you did you feel like house. did you feel like okay, I could make anyone a star? Like, did you figure out like you knew what the formula was to make the streets feel? Hmm. With Biz, it was kind of like an experiment. I knew that he could have been a good attraction to what we was doing. I was like, wow, he's real entertaining. That was dope. You know, maybe he could he could rock with us. And you know, once he got to meet Shantae, Shantae and him got very close, then he started opening up for Shantae. And once I seen the reaction of the crowd when he started opening with Shantae, I was like, wow, he's extra special. What was Biz doing when you, like how old was he when you met him? Um, He was, he had to be like, it looked like he was about 
18 or 19 or something like that. He's like, you know, just like a young skinny kid coming to the hood. Stay, yo, he stayed for the whole weekend. Finally saw me Sunday. Everybody's like, yo, he was out here all weekend. Yo, he was out here, funny dude. He was out here hanging so with So he just us. sit on the park bench, wait for you? He hung out the whole weekend <laughs> in Queensbridge. <laughs> he just hung out with everybody. So that was just the thing, too. I'm going to go to Queensbridge Project. We're going to run in the mall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, that's why I had to move because, you know, a few females would do that, too, and they would uh-huh. get violated. So I was like, let me move out of there because I want to be responsible. Right. Yo, where Marley live out here? Oh, I know. I'll take you to him. Come on, man. Oh, man. You know, uh, like <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Never see him again. That was happening too much. So I was like, you know, let me, I got to get up out of here. You okay. So are you still going to proper studios to do the pre production and coming into your crib to? Nope. It's right in the living room in Queensbridge. With the Tascam, with the, I assume at this point, the SB12, the, um, the infamous reel to reel, or your. Yeah, they're real. Yeah. Like, how many outlets did you have to like? Because did, did, did electricity go out? Nah, nah. It was it was pretty cool. I mean, I it sounds like a lot. I had a shabby, shitty little studio <laughs> and made all those records. It, was, it sounds like yo, when you hear the records, they sound so big and elaborate. But dude, I was sitting there on a on like a, a shitty ass equipment. So you say nobody beats the business was just just. That was some MacGyver, that. some MacGyver miracle. Yeah, like, just... no, nah, it wasn't a, it wasn't a miracle, but the way I would make records, I mean, come on, I'm, I'm triggering from an 808. The pulse from the 808 is triggering the, each sample separately. I didn't even have a 1200 yet. This is before 1200s. They didn't even have 1200s yet. I'm, I'm sampling drums before they even made 1200s to do that. So I'm, I got, I got three samplers here with trigger inputs on the back. The toms, the low toms, and the high toms is triggering my drum sounds. And I'm using a regular 808 from the 808 and a regular hi-hat from the hot 808. But those are my drum sounds. Those three samplers was triggering. So it was kind of like MacGyverish because... Yeah, they didn't have that technology. Right. I, I kind of like made... I, I, I thought of it. So you and Grandmaster Flash. Grandmaster Flash, like, I want to, you know, invent a system that lets me hear the music before I'm DJing it. Right. And you are... I want to... I want to... You're inventing triggering without the idea of triggering. Right. I'm inventing 1200s and the whole the whole software program or how they're doing it probably before it was even made because nobody... The 12... The 12... SP12 came out after that. I thought you did that on a 12. No. Nah, no. Nah. Okay. So what was your Ben Franklin eureka moment? Because I think our listeners should know that more than any producer... You're the one that figured out a way to take what's on a record and put it through technology so that we could rap over that instead without, you know, without DJ going back and forth, all that stuff. So, like, what was your what was your eureka moment? Like, wait, I can do that. And one day um, we was working at Unique and I was like trying to sample something else. And I think the snare went through by mistake. And I was like pop, rocking the snare with the beat. And I'm like, that shit sound hot right there. Turn the other one down. Turn that shit, turn the original down. Turn that, turn that Lindrum down. I'm playing, playing what I was doing with the with the beat. And it sounded so much better. I was like, yo, could we put this on track? And I put it on track. And I, and I sat there, I was like, hold up. This means I could take any record I have at home, any kick snare, make my own pattern with their kick and snare. I think I never interned anymore after that day. 
<laughs> I, I think that was my last day of internship. <laughs> I think I never returned. I returned as Marley Mall later to do mixes and be famous, but I was never interned no more after that. Okay, so you run home with the equipment or you run no, home no. to your own equipment? I went home. I went around the corner to Sam Mash and bought little two little samplers. Like, I'm thinking back then this is super expensive and hard to acquire. No, they had little samplers for guitar players back in the day. You know how they got the, you could play along with it and play. Right, play right, something right. That plays a little thing, then you play along with it. Right. That's what it was back then. I had a sampler like that first. I had a trigger on it, and I figured I could put my sound from the record in there and trigger it. Okay. Yo, yeah, well, man, this is everything I ever wanted to know. Okay. About. <laughs> okay. And so these records, you were recording still at your crib? Yeah, still. at the crib. My, more my, matter of fact, my first real sampler was a, was a little box that was for a guitar player. That they, You know, it had the loops on it? Yes. The little thing that you do? The so, little cork box, little thing? Right. That's, that was my first sampler, but I bought one with a trigger on it. Because right. I already was working at Unique, and I used to see, oh, trigger, everybody's trigger happy. Every, the pulse is popping everything off in here. Hold up, I could get a sample that pulls to pop off too. I could fucking put what I want in there and it's gonna do what I want it to do. What was your first thing that you broke that you were like, oh God, I, I've discovered a new way of. Um, let me see. And was it Nobody Beats the Biz or? It could have been Nobody Beats the Biz. That, it could have been that and, and Make the Music. It was around Make the Music time, around me because I remember I used to like that Isaac Hayes piano. And when I, and when I messed around and remembered how, you know, in hip-hop, they used to play it in 45 to make it have that certain tone. And I was like, look, if I could make that certain tone with my own beat, it would be phenomenal. And then once I, once I made that, I kind of knew I was here. I was like, wow, that right there, because I was able to take my own kick and my own snare, go on the mic and go, shh, 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 and make my own hi-hat. Wait, so that's what? You? That's you? Wait, 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 because the wow. thing that's so dope about it is that when we would do that beat like in the lunchroom, uh -huh. right. that's how we would yeah, do it. Yeah, I had, yeah, we would yeah. all do it the same way with our mouth. There you go. That's Wait, stupid. Play, play that real quick. Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> no way. Wow. Yo. Oh, one, two. Oh, one, two. That's not a shaker, right? It is now that I know what it is. <laughs> wow. Now that you hear it now, yeah. now that you know it, it, it's not like, it wasn't the Dougie Fresh shaker. Yeah, 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 because that's exactly what I thought it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, because I know when, for the show with Teddy Riley, like, yeah, that DMX, what drug, was that a DMX? Probably a DMX. Because... I have a DMX and it doesn't sound, sound like that. that. Wow. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> and I would try to tune it down. <laughs> it doesn't sound that way. It sounds so, like you're sending off an email on the iPhone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I figured after that record right there, I had it. And, and, and to be honest, I kept my um, drum sounds in my samplers for about a week. I made about a week's worth of beats. Was Before you unplugged was, it? Yeah, but the bridge was one of them. <laughs> Stun of the Block was one of them. Eric B is president. Drums was one of them. So at that point, I was like, I, I kept those drum sounds in 
Was there a way to save it? I was about to say, no, yeah. Yo, you, there was you know no cards, right? No, I had it on real. So I had it on real. That's where the infamous real. That, okay. The infamous real was my hard drive. We got to talk about drives. impeach the president. Wow. Yes. We got to talk about impeach the yes. president. Um, I, I know much has been said about like the importance of funky drummers right. placing the, the, the pantheon. Impeach the of, president is the greatest breakbeat ever. But yeah, really. I do feel that impeach the president is probably the common man's breakbeat. Mm-hmm. First of all, Ultimate Beats and Breaks wasn't out yet. Right. So thus, how did you run across it? And was it just like a source well, record that you were like, uh, eh, this will do? Well, I got it. I got my version, my 45s. Yeah, I saw your 45. Aaron Fuchs. Aaron Fuchs. Wow. Now, <laughs> see, the irony. I, oh, yeah. I got to be careful. Right. Because <laughs> well, he's bucked a few shots at me. I know, I know, I know about with Peach, but he uh, gave me it because what happened? He gave it to you? Listen, I used to, this is when I lived in Queensbridge on Vernon. Tough City Records was on Vernon Boulevard in Queens and Long Island City, like a few blocks down. <laughs> okay. And you know, and you know, and I was just coming up and he's like, Look, I want you to go in the studio with Spoon EG. I can't really pay you, but I could give you a handful of 45s. Now you gotta think about it. Aaron Fuchs was the editor. Oh my god, you did the right. Godfather. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah, I, I thought Teddy did that. That's what I'm trying you to, did that. Yeah, I did the Godfather. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is the Godfather by Spoonie G. Yeah, That's Spoon, the reference. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm and, being and a fan right now. And, and take I, it off. Of course he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I was doing those records, he, he didn't have money to pay me. So he would say, hey, since he was the editor of Billboard for Funk and Soul in the 60s, so you already know his record collection. Right. So he would always say, I got a handful of 45s for you here. And there were so many rarities in that shit every time. I was like, okay, let me go make a record for him and he get paid these 45s. Break he, he paid me with, four, no, 45s, bro. And, and Peace the President happened to be one of them. The irony of everything is that he was the person that gave me and Peace the President on a trade like that and was later t- to come back and sue me. Sue you for a round of way, girl. For a round of way, girl. <laughs> for, round of way, girl. <laughs> for, using, for using that very break wow. he gave me. Wow. Okay, what is your. <laughs> okay, I had a situation where. All right, I gotta be very careful yes. because some certain people are very uh, litigious yeah, yeah. with. <laughs> with what with do you mean vocal. by certain people? <laughs> exactly. That's that's exactly how he approached me too. Like, what do you mean leeches? No, I. At the time, there was a situation with with Jay Z and Kanye West, uh, Otis, mm-hmm. in which we all know that Kanye ends the rhyme with. Jay is chilling. Right. Right. Oh, right, right, right. yeah, that's right. He did come after him for that. Right. Wow. And, you know, from what I know is that he approached, uh, what's Light and Milk's uh, father's Nat, name? Uh, Nat Robinson. Right. Robinson. Yeah. yeah. They were like, yo, he's quoting our song, Go Get Him. And they were like, well, no, it's just an homage. Like, it's not, we don't consider it biting. It's just an homage. Right. At the end of, at the, end of the day... I hear that the amount was somewhere close to $2 million. Yeah. My thing is that the very thing, and this probably extends to me and Boss Bill's argument <laughs> about Which homage one? versus oh, biting. Oh, that one. That one. Yeah, um, homage versus biting. Mm-hmm. Uh, up stealing somebody's style. Well, yeah, it, it's like, for me, a person like George Clinton has it, where it's like he gives you great rates right. to take his stuff, 
Right. And then you keep coming back for more yeah, crack right. dealer. Gotcha. Like, yeah. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> keep the, yo, keep the low keep the prices and low in the streets and everybody come back. Yeah. The problem <laughs> the the situation with, with Aaron Fuchs is that he acquired the rights to impeach the president and then he just went lawsuit crazy. Now I noticed that all these seven figure lawsuits were always aimed at Def Jam. So I don't know if maybe he has a beef with Russell oh, or yeah. Yeah, because like certain impeach the president usage got un, you know he let it slide, but with Def Jam it was like one million, one million, one million, one million. Def Jam had the budget probably. It, yeah. What is your feel? I mean, especially in 2016, in which I feel as though we need more impeach the president, right? And less, and I'm not. I don't want to be that guy that's like discouraging the future Marleys of the world to not push forward with technology, right? But if everyone is just trying to cash in on laying a trap, I feel like it's laying a trap. Right. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the most popular breakbeat right. and sue you if you use it. I'm gonna give it to the most popular producer, let him use it, get it hot in the streets, then I'm gonna go get the rights to it and sue every motherfucker that uses it. <laughs> so And that's what happened. What is he is he just living off of um, the, I, I mean, the theme to Scrubs, like, like. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that you know he looks at it as his business. You know, somebody's got to do it. You know, I that, feel that's you. his way. That's his way. I'm just, that's I mean, not just, me. That's he's looking at it as business. You know what I mean? But it's like that's the story of like music, like paying chess artists with Cadillacs, and now like. And, but, gonna... but look at you know it's kind of like it's kind of like when the whole bubble bursted with sampling itself when they found out that you could make money off of suing everybody. Everybody went buck wow. At first, it was like you know, you know, we just doing it because it sounds hot or whatever, whatever. We're not even really thinking about it like that. Once somebody figured out that yo, you could get sued for that, it, everybody went buck wow. It became a business, and that kind of fucked the music up. Yeah, everybody started using doing keyboard shit. Right. So do you think it's, play keys. Keys. is it fairer if it's the it's going back to the artist? That the problem is that the people most times the breakbeats or whoever originally owns it is not going back to that person who really made the music. Is that the problem? the problem? If if he were about like making sure the honey drippers were were right, straight, right, 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 like a good example now is right. the most one of the most popular comedy shows on right now mm. today, uh, the the Workaholics. Mm. Their theme song, yeah, Skinny Boys, uh, uh, Human Job Box. Mm. Like none of those guys are. They're not even aware that there is a subculture of comedy now. That like when I spin that song now. Like any millennials losing their minds because they're thinking I'm spinning the, the workaholics the, theme. The workaholics theme. Like, oh, this is a real song. And once I did the investigation, like none of those guys are. They sold their publishing, and it's just like it's one guy that's like just getting rich off the workaholics theme. Wow. So then that's the case. So if it was directly the artist, you would feel a little differently about it. I would if definitely. Marvin Gaye was alive. So yeah, but I mean, do you feel paranoid? Because the thing is that your your drums have single-handedly fed and up the game of of hip hop between 85 and 87 and still to this day like that is you building those drums like how do you feel about it now I feel And that is he is he trying to come has he ever tried to come to you for just snares and hi-hats and nah that's one thing that that um you can notice when you see, when you just hear a kick or a snare from it, he doesn't go at you, kind of. I'm just maybe I'm letting something out the bag, but 
I notice whenever it's he getting you. But if it's like oh, right, it's, just a straight up snare. Right, he, he's like, oh, you can't really prove it the way you could prove a loop. How did y'all uh, Which, end up settling? Um, I mean, without money, whatever or details. Did y'all end up selling the Roundaway Girl? No, uh, I, I paid him. I paid him. Like it was like a settlement, and he got like a one-time payment and kept it moving. Yikes! I believe it. I believe that's how it went. All right. So this leads to the infamous reel, and yes, and your your what I call the the not the man I'm from heaven, but the two loaves of fish and. Wow. Five pieces of bread, or wow. is it five pieces of fish and two loaves of bread? It's I don't two know. fish and five loaves. Yeah. So, <laughs> so because you're not saving these sounds on disc, no disc was here yet because there wasn't no way of saving. There was nothing digital yet. They didn't have floppy disk for our samples yet because there was no twelve hundred yet. Right. So what I would do is is put my um, drum sounds on a reel, put like one kick, bah, and then leader. The next snare, ka, leader. The next kick, boom, hi hats, whatever. I, I had all my reels, all my sounds on one reel. And, you know, that's how I used to go around. I used to go with the artist. We used to sit there with the reel. All right, what kick do you want to use? Boom. Oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. And that's how I used to make For beats. real? Yeah, that's how I used to sit down, sit down with them. <laughs> he customized you. I was like, we got to start doing that. You know what I'm saying? You do do I that. I think we do that now, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, you do that. You play like, you like that? You know, you play certain certain things. But I was just playing drum sounds for them, not even loops, just ka, doom, tsh, ooh, that's hot, ooh, ooh. Then I would sit there, load those in, make a quick beat, put put a, put whatever to it, and then let them rhyme. Right. Put the put the snare and the hi-hat on one track, put the kick and the bass line on the other track, put the rhymes on one track and sampling on the other fourth track, and we got a record, man. Okay, now, <laughs> with, with that said, I got to ask you, when you hear this intro, what are you thinking? Um, for years, it never dawned on me. What? I, I don't know why. For some reason, I kind of like blocked that record out of my psychic for like years. Really? I probably it just never existed. Yeah, to yeah, you. No, it never. Not that it never existed. I probably never listened to it. I heard it, but didn't listen to it. If you know what I mean. It is possible to ignore right. something. Yeah. And be willfully yeah. ignorant. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. there's one particular artist in hip hop. I can honestly say. I've never, I mean, this is like a bonafide, everybody and their mother loves this product. Mm -hmm. I haven't heard it once. Like, I will, so as far as you're concerned, right? criminal minded just never existed? No, um, that record right there, we're talking, that record, um, South Bronx. Well, I mean, the, I mean well, that's the Bridges Over. over. Yeah. The, the, the Bridges Over, when, when Bridges Over came out, I was like, I heard it, but I didn't, you know, it didn't. Yeah. I, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't hit me like that was my drum sound. <laughs> it, it didn't hit me like that because I kind of like. Uh, well, now, I, to be honest, to be honest, I never thought that. Like when Chris first came at us, I was like, "Now nah, who's stupid enough to?" <laughs> I was like, "Yo, who's stupid enough to believe this dude right here? Who's stupid enough to believe that?" He's saying that we said something we didn't say. Who's that dumb to believe this motherfucker? A lot of people. And I was like, that's when I realized, yo, hip-hop dumber than a motherfucker, yo. <laughs> I was like, God damn. 
Who's gonna? Yo, when he first came, I was like, yo, who's gonna believe this dude? We never said that, and we the motherfucking Juice Crew. We got Kane, G Rap, so and so. Nigga, who gonna believe that shit? And we, yeah. And and, and everybody, but I was like, God, this nigga's a good, good con artist. He caught y'all niggas. <laughs> he caught a lot of motherfuckers, yo. My assumption was that it was something deeper than just him defending the honor of the Bronx. So he obviously, but he wasn't from the Bronx. You see what I'm saying? He wasn't from the B. So where was he from? He was from Brooklyn in a, in a homeless shelter. Chris was from. Oh. <laughs> and, and, and Scholar Rock was from the B. You get what I'm saying? Please so, explain to and, us. And I was like saying to myself, yo, who going to believe this dude? But then, but then I started really realizing that, you know, I started realizing that that common sense wasn't as common as I thought. And I was like, what? so I, I, I kind of, after that, I kind of backed away from hip hop. I was like, oh, let me just. Step, what? Step. But yeah, everything was already done. I backed away, looked at it. I said, I know what I'm going to do. Let me, throw, let me throw Kane on these niggas real quick. <laughs> Got raw. You know what I'm saying? After raw, I was like, yo, now I'm, 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 I'm back. I felt good again about it. But I stepped back after a while. So you felt some sort of way between 85, 86, yeah, 87? I felt, I felt a real, you know, I felt real crazy. I was like, yo, how the fuck niggas believe this dude? And that's real talk. Why? What happened? Like, Oh, did I mean, y'all meet? Like, was I'll he like play what, our record? I tell you exactly what happened. He tried to get in the Juice Crew. Up the day I lost lost my reel up at, at Power Play, he they was they saw Mr. Magic and me in the studio with Shantae. Please, Mr. Magic, listen to our demo. Please, please, yo Marley man, come in the room. Come in the room with me. So I had these niggas shit. So I was like, all right, I walk in the room with you. So I go in the room with him. It's like the Boogie Down production, all of them. They in the room, like, yo, please, Mr. Magic, oh, thank you for coming in. Yo, this is our demo. And they put it on and played it loud, and they on the room like this, jumping around. He goes, <laughs> off, he goes off to the console, shuts that shit down. Woo! Shit is bullshit, man. <laughs> he said that in front of them? Yo, he said that straight in front of them. This shit is straight garbage. Do you remember what, was it a song that later came out? You remember what it was? I don't know. I, I, I probably never heard that shit again. I, you know what? <laughs> you know what? All right, so peep it. They 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 had like four or five songs like no, I got no, that no, B boy no, no, no 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 box set they played that one song that he turned down was like yo he turned the volume down in the middle of them jumping around the room trying to sell it he was like yo <laughs> this shit is garbage you want yo, yo niggas want real hip hop Roxanne Shante Molly Mall Mr Magic Juice Crew and sh- and walked out uh... so that's why and then when he's leaving the studio I didn't want to stay in the studio because he dissed him. So I was trying to get out of there with them, and I left my reel. Wait, how many uh, BD? Who was in beat? Like, was it Scott, Chris? It, it was. It was a lot of them. It was like a whole room full of people. It was like. That's what I'm asking. Yeah, it was like all. It was. It was all of them. All of them, because they were so happy to see Mr. Magic, and he. They were such a fans of Mr. Magic, and he dissed them. So it didn't come off like, yo, we about to fuck him up, or like. I mean, he was. That was Mr. Magic, man. He was arrogant and liked that back in the day. So Man. retaliation, the reta- retaliation set didn't even get into the minds of hip hoppers back then. Like, right, right. He's like, "Yo, I'm gonna get them back." That was only one way in. I mean, right. you couldn't you diss him? Then where do you go? Right. And then what happened too? And see, you got to think about it. Now this is even before BDP was down with with Red Alert. They gave Red the record. Red jumped on with them because now he had ammo. He needed, he needed ammunition, so he jumped in their crew. You, you get what I mean? You get what I'm saying? So now, now when I seen the whole wave of the Bronx supporting, I was like, 
we didn't say that but yo know, the, the 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 wind was already blowing on the fire at that point so it was already spreading like nobody stood back and said oh them niggas never said that what the fuck yeah. you talking about stupid if it's a lie it, we fight on it, that lie right it never it, you know what i'm saying so it never it never got cleared so i looked at the whole shit for years like damn or have, have you heard <laughs> pre criminal minded bdp nah. all right i, I got to play events like in, on the box set of criminal minded there's like their 85 86 stuff which is like probably the demos yes you probably heard this uh this is advanced by boogie down productions we got to advance we got to advance cuz nothing in our lives ever happened by chance we got to advance we got to advance we have got to advance out of this that magic was like come on man da, 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 da. They, they got upset but you know but that gave them that fuel right there but I'm saying, where's that reel right now? Which one? My drum reel? Yes. I got that all day. Oh, my God. I should have brought it. If I didn't know that you is were a talking work, about that, that is a piece I would have brought of art it. right there. I walk around with that sometimes. If I didn't know you wanted that, I would have I would, I brought that. We want it. Wow. <laughs> I got that. I, to be honest, I want to bake it right now and see what sounds is on that bitch. That's dead ass. I would love this because that 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 kick and that snare, and you got to know, that impeached the president. The way it sounds like that, and I know yes. if anybody ever uses any sample from that reel, because you know how there's certain popcorn on your samples yeah. that you know at a certain spot. I didn't play my impeach so much back in the day that by the time I sampled it, it was that much static on it. Right, right, right. And I hear that static on top billing. I hear that static on everybody's president. <laughs> I hear that static on fucking Funky Cole Medina. Mm -hmm. you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. There's so, too many records where I had hear that static where you can't tell me you didn't sample my shit. See, I was under the impression that, see, I'm so glad we're having this conversation because in my mind, I'm thinking that this is where Paul C. and mm. said G. of Ultramagnetic come into play. Oh, oh, oh. Said found the real. So let's move on. Ah-ho! Really? Yes. So that explains... All right, Why the bridge is over, because he tapped out the, the beat for the bridge is over. Said G. Yes. That explains everything. So yeah, these yeah, are yeah. also your drums. Yeah, of course. You got to tell them what song this is. Yeah. Yo, what's up, Kuki? Yo, what up, Said G? This is Yo, Funky up, by what's Ultraman up, and Man, Man, Of course. One of the... I like this beat you brought. Yeah, one of these, yes, one of these Skillion songs using Marley Mars real snare. Hear that? Hear the snare? Of course. Come on. You can hear the snap static on the kick and the snare. You can hear it. I'm telling you, I lost my reel. They went crazy. But that's okay to you, though, right, Marley? It was all good because I found it. I found it. You know, to be honest, I'm glad they made those records because those records right there helped motivate hip hop. Now they following what the fuck I'm doing. Wow. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So I had y'all in my grips because you had my reel making all these beats. Now this is really starting to make sense to me because I thought you produced our hometown hero, Steady B. No doubt. Before I let go. Right. This was like a big yes. song yes. of Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. Your drums. Yes, of course. I think Lawrence was mad at me and took my drums and made a record. <laughs> <laughs> So it's just like, are people making copies of this reel? Is this... Oh, he, you know, once um, once I put it on the bridge, da, 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 yeah, it was open. It was, yeah. it was open. It was open. Those the, the beginning of the bridge, it was open. So you could, you, your, people was grabbing it from there. Eric B's president, you know, Milk said, "Yo, I didn't use your bridge. I used Eric B's president, dude. It's the same reel, bro." 
It's the same. It's the same drum sound. I don't care if you got it from there, there, there. there it's the same drum sound, buddy. <laughs> Can I ask you what was the story with Beat Biter? Now, mm. so LL releases. Yes, this is really I weird. Need a be- beat, right? Yeah. Well, no, no. Well, I thought it was over Rock the Bells because it was oh, the Rock yeah, the it Bells was remix. Right. right. Now the thing is, originally, Rick Rubin told me there's a version of Rock the Bells where he's doing it over uh, the Peter Piper break. Uh, nice. uh, Take me to the Mardi Gras. Nice. nice. By Bob James, and then Run barked on him like, "No, we got some shit like that. You can't do that." Wow. And so then Rick and LL go back and do it over the Trouble Funk break, mm. and then did another version. Of which MC Shan claims that, you know, this is... So what's really weird is that at least four records, four like early records of, of yours, mm-hmm. are confrontational records of some sort. Between yeah. Roxanne, mm-hmm. between... Yeah, my early records was kind of like frustration records, kind of like... I mean, like, matter of fact, if they was meant to be records, I did start going at people because, all right, we made the Roxanne record, it did what it did. I made the Dimples record, it did what it did. I'm like... Oh shit! I can make these type of records. I can go at motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> so I never door. knew about this beef with LL, or at least right. like I mean, it didn't really escalate. Right. But I mean, did LL even realize that? Uh, it was it was diverted by. Or was um, it a New York thing? No, nah, no, nah, it was it was diverted by BDP. Oh, once that came, then yeah, it was like the potatoes. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was I like, got it. Have you heard Beat Biter? Yeah, I've heard Beat Biter. MC Shane, yeah. Right, but did you hear the you heard the remix of um, Rock the Bells? Yeah, uh-huh. the original beep beep. The the other version. The other boom. Yeah, that one. So it was the same. So this the same this came out pattern. first or that? Um, rock, the real Rock the Bells came out first, then the remix came later. And when we heard the remix, we were like, "Yo, hold up, that's the fuck. That is Marley Scratch beat. It was boom boom ba boom ba boom ba boom 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 ba 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 boom ba." We was like, and he's and then he's talking about rocking the bells over the same beat. We was like, "Hold up, that's the same same pattern." I think. You were the first person to really introduce the idea of a dub or an mm. instrumental. Because I think before hip-hop, hip-hop 12 inches didn't have the instrumental on it. Right. I remember one, like, uh, maybe the Sugar Hill Birthday Rhymes, they had a instrumental mm. on the back. But you would always do something where it's what we now call the, the, the TV version. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when, when, you, when you mix in the studio... The TV version is it's it's an instrumental, and it's an occasional background vocal guide, so the MC knows where they are in the song. Right. right. So, like, if I'm doing the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, it'd be like, now this is it. Yeah, yes, I can know. Yeah. Upside down. Right, right, right. Like, what made you? I believe you were like one of the first to do a dub or or whatever. Like, right. was it for the purpose of doing it live or? No, nah, you know I used to do that because you notice a lot of my um, records from back then. I never gave instrumentals up. To this day, no. See, to this day, I found the, some instrumentals right. from like Key right. Cats. Like, right? I'm like, how'd you get that? Right. I never gave instrumentals up because I didn't want nobody rhyming over my beat other than the artist. I didn't want nobody coming out with mixtapes. I didn't want nobody coming out with stuff. <laughs> His version rhyming, of Dilla. Yeah, rhyming over <laughs> no, my joints. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want all that. So I was like, I yo, I want to, when I put this record out, only they going to rhyme That's what over it. Is, it. You're yeah. only going to hear them rhyming over it. You gonna, and I never even gave you a space to rhyme on those dubs. I would always put the <laughs> vocals up, put fuck you up a little. You're not going to get no clean 16, no clean 8. 
because you're not going to be rhyming over my beats. I had to give up something. I, I wasn't giving up that instrumental. So let me, and plus I was, you know, I used to love Jamaican dub music back in the day. I grew up of, of a lot of that, you know, so I used to always hear my Jamaican dub. And I always figured to myself, why hip hop don't have dub versions? You know, you know, kind of like when I was in, in Unique, learning the equipment, I was learning the echoes, the quarter echoes, the so-and-sos. So I was like always like, damn, it would be hot to have, you know, to give it that reggae flavor yeah, with a like certain certain words. And, you know, and plus, you know, in disco, they was, you know, doing that a little bit, too. So, you know, I was like hearing some like garage versions of, of stuff. They would have like the echoes. I was like, damn, they need that in hip hop, too. So that's another reason why I went with it. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With the bridge, I guess the probably the most notable, well, even past you chopping up Impeach the President, um, I always noticed that I would say that that record, if anything, starts what I feel will be the the accessory noise period of hip hop. Gotcha. Which uh, I guess you took uh, Magic Disco Machines uh, scratching. Yeah, I flipped it back. Was that backward sound wasn't uh, a mistake? That was I wanted to use scratching because I already you know I was into my break beats. I already knew I liked scratching. When I used it forward with the beat, it didn't make sense. Really. You know, when it was because it was going, it, it wouldn't have made sense because then when I, when I flipped it backwards and played it backwards and triggered it, 
and ran it with I ran it up against the kick because it's triggered off the kick. It, it created something special. Mm-hmm. So I was like, wow, this is real special. I never heard nothing like this on a record ever before. I'm gonna turn this bitch up. So what he's talking about is uh, there's there's a break by the Magic Disco Machine uh, called Scratching, which normally, I mean, it's a hip hop staple, and most hip hop DJs will. It's called a stab. Right. If, so, if there's a, if there's a horn part in a record with a good kick under it, that's your exclamation point if you're a DJ. So when you when your MC's rhyming over a beat and you want to, that's your enforcement. Right. That's your fist through the door. Right. So what Marley basically did was reversed it to create uh, the bridge, which is. Uh, And a little bit of echo too, reverse and echo. I'm, so, what is on your mind at this point? Because this is extremely unorthodox. Right. That's that's pre-public enemy. I know that, that's you're, you were the first. Yeah. Yeah, you that, were the first. Yeah, so like that's pre-public enemy. What is on your mind when you're doing this? I, I mean, that must have been you know. I mean, when I made that, and and the the funny thing about making that record, that wasn't even supposed to be a record. That was. <laughs> interlude music for Queensbridge Day. Wait, what? <laughs> that song was interlude music for Queensbridge Day. <laughs> so because there was, you know, there's so many bands in Queensbridge, like I mentioned, there was many bands. So they used to have Queensbridge Day and the bands used to perform. It wasn't even hip hop yet. So, so what bands are performing at Queensbridge Day? Um, like I said, um Fred Fowler and them used to oh, always all get the, busy. All the, all the residents. Yeah, the Fowler, all the residents used to come out because it was band heavy. Um, Dow Payne used to have his artists out there. Andre Booth used to um, get busy. Um, he used to have his artists. You know, everybody, you know, they had Cinnamon used to come out there with Dow Payne, thanks to you. So there was a lot, you know. So we was just, I, I said, yo, Shan, let's make a song for intermission music for tomorrow. Wow. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, that wasn't supposed to be a record. I told oh, you, a lot of my stuff wasn't supposed to be records. I didn't get into this. Some of the greatest hip-hop stories are right. just like, eh, let me throw something together. Right, right, right. Change someone's life real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you don't try. You just do what's in your heart, and it just happens. You know, uh, I, wasn't, I, wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to become what, what, what happened to this day. I, was just, I, just, I just wanted something hot for me to battle with on the radio and just come with some heat every week. I had to, I had to come with heat because, you know, Everybody was going against us. I had to create my own crew, my own ammunition, and 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 it worked. So when the final product's done, like, what are people looking at? Because we didn't know. I mean, as a teenager, and I was very much aware of the song when it came out. When I was fifteen, we were just like, I thought it was like, is that a fire truck? Like, <laughs> what the hell is that noise? Like, we could not for the life of us figure out what it was or yeah. what y'all were trying to convey. Right, but it's just I, I just I was conveying mass hysteria, madness. Because when I, you know, I already knew that impeach the president, kick and snare was already head bopping material. And if you put some some fire behind it, which that noise was, I just figured that it's it's like a it's like an undeniable. And we played this song about about four times that time in the park. Everybody was loving it, and you know, unfortunately, somebody got killed that night at a peace rally. Oh shit! The first day we played that in the park. Later on, somebody got killed. 
Damn. So it was it's kind of weird. The Queensbridge I know of, right. where Mob Deep is rhyming about like, right. yo, I might not make it tomorrow. Like, yeah, where does that come into play? Is this eighty seven to eighty eight? Is this? I mean, crack yeah. era Queensbridge. I think at by the time that really started happening, the crack era started really getting higher and higher. I, I think that's probably at the point when I moved out the hood because it, it was getting out of control. Really? I mean, it was like night of the living base heads on the block type. You know, people walking through, the lights is out on the block, and it turned into a different place at night. You know, and I was like, you know, that's when I decided to move to Astoria. Like, how did you and MC Shan hook up? Um, one day I met Shan. I was in the River Park. I believe I was probably writing rhymes. I was probably sitting in the park writing rhymes, um, and I saw him riding his mini bike. Mm-hmm. And you know, he told me that he could rap, and I was like, "Oh, that's what's up. That's cool." He told me, "I got a rhyme about you. I got a rap about you." I'm like, "All right, cool." He said, "I said, well, just you know, bring it by my house one day." And about a week later, he came by my house with it written on a bag, and it was Marley Scratch. The M is for Master Us. When he did that, that's on MCA, right? Um, that was actually on Ear Records. So, I mean, of your arsenal, I mean, where does Shan rank as far as the MCs that you've worked with? Um, Shan, he he ranks. He got he got his number one status in a few things with me. Mm-hmm. He has a certain tone. His 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 voice is like an instrument. You know what I'm saying? Certain people they could rhyme and talk, and singers too. Some people could sing, but some people's voices are an instrument. Okay. And his his voice is an instrument. Like the tone of it. Yeah, it's like an instrument. It's like a horn. Right. Okay. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a it's, you know it's like an instrument. So I, I I give him that. He's really dope. And his rhymes, you know, he you gotta think he made Jane back in the day. Jane stop. My mom loved that. Thing. Thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That was, that was Yo, the, my mom actually loved Jane Stops the Screen. Yeah, Jane. And Tell he, my dad, see it is positive. They're talking about not doing crack. See, and and, and, and he had the song about cocaine, like it was a love story. Right. How he fell in love with this girl. And at the end of the story, it was it was her name was Cocaine. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, he was kind of visualizing those. Those little rhymes, kind of like. I'm were you sure. doing? Were you doing live shows with him as well? Oh, yeah, or? I was. I was his DJ for a minute. So what was his? What was his? What was the crowd response to? Like, did um, he, get... he, he had him. He was. He was. Like, he was like. He was getting the ladies. He had like left me lonely out too. So right. yeah, he, he had his run. He had his, definitely had a hard run with the chicks. Chicks, chicks used to like Shan. Before I bring up Kane, which yes. is more '88. I I gotta know about your your the, your the, your your brief time with 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 Rock Kim, mm. which. Mm. I've seen a few Shan things where he's like, "Well, I did it, right? whatever." Mm-hmm. Like, what is what is the story of Eric B's president and? Well, Eric B. Eric B. was like a roommate to me in okay. Queensbridge. He used to come, you know, come stay at the crib. He's from Queens, or no? He's actually from um, Corona Queens, okay, or, or East Elmhurst, one of them. But it's the same, you know, same kind of thing. But he used to hang out with Polo. Polo introduced me to him. And, you know, he started hanging out with me. Then, you know, started not going home, really, hanging out, chilling at the crib. You know, he used to see a lot of people come through. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, when he's like, yo, I got a rapper, you know, I'm going to bring a rapper up, you know. And he, he said, yo, and the first day he said somebody was going to come. I believe it was Freddie Fox. He didn't show up. So it could have been Freddie Fox. And Wait, Eric Freddie Fox should have been over that beat? And whoever would have showed up probably would have got it. Cause we, you know, we just had, it's, you know, we just get ready for a session. So who knows what we would have made? 
You get what I'm saying? So obviously he didn't show up. So he said, I got somebody coming the next day, which was Ra. So Ra came and we made my melody first. Now, you got to think about it. I was just just getting in the studio with Kane. Just, you know, Kane was just writing for biz. Mm-hmm. So I was I was kind of like secretly making Kane album on the low. <laughs> okay. Because the record company act like he wasn't an artist and I already knew it that he that he was dope. So I would just record him when 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 biz would be late kind of thing. Right? So right. he's getting an album together. So I'm working with Kane now, Rakim Kane. And now Rakim wanted to do my melody. Now, now I was already rhyming, you know, fucking with G Rap and Kane. Well, they was like 112 uh-huh. BPMs. Yeah. And the front, the front, the right, front, right. Now front, he wanted front. now now he came with my melody, which was like it was like so different at my house from what we was doing. It was mad slow. Yeah. It was like it was a head bopper. It was dope, but it was like a head bopper, a listen to record. And you know, before he had came, you know, just the sessions before was like all energetic. So I was like, yo, Shan, man, record him, man, real quick. <laughs> wow. Record the vocals, man. I'm gonna go over here real quick. I'm gonna run in the, you know, back and go program something else, go tap out something else. Just record his vocals. I wanna see how it come out. You get what I'm saying? So Shan had engineering skills too. Shan was a he would hang around the studio and learn. And see what we was doing and learn learn how, you know, learn, oh wow, this is how you do the vocals. Oh, this is how you do this. So he was he was learning. He was he was an artist, but he was more of a apprentice learner. He he wanted to learn how to make make the music too. <laughs> so I was like, all right, that's we, good. You so I, I would set it up. I set it up. It's like not like he went over there and went to the board and punched it up and okay, all right, I'm gonna EQ you and EQ it and no, I just left it ready for him and like, yo, just record him. I'll be right back. You, you get what I'm saying? I taught him right. how to punch in. Right. You know, I was teaching Shan how to do all this. So I was like, yeah, all right, let me see. If you're nice, record him. I'll be right back. So I went in the other room, probably tapped out another beat while he was doing the vocals to my melody. By the time I came back out, I was like, came out and like, I was like, damn, I like this, but it doesn't have the energy of what I've been doing, where I'm at. You know what I'm saying? It was it was dope, but it was like when everything else I was doing was ah, ah. It was like out of here. My melody was the perfect song to do the wop to. Right, 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 right. Because right. <laughs> right. like right. when that came out, right, I just remember. Right, this is my melody by Rakim, Eric B and Rakim. It's slow. It's like right. what eighty. What's the eighty? Yeah, eighty-seven, eighty-eight yeah, BPMs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For the year, it went with the year. <laughs> <laughs> So is this a throwaway beat of yours? Um, that beat right there was probably just on the spot makeup. And then I believe that Eric B probably liked that doom 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 do do doom 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 the bass line. But when you hear it change, since I only had a Casio CZ one hundred one. And I was able to just have one MIDI program running. I was just changing the the sound with the MIDI still playing. So it's going doom, doom, doom. And then the bell, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And then you hear the other sound. It's changing the patches. It's, I'm just it changing the patches. <laughs> yeah. Is that MIDI you going, playing the yeah. keyboards? Or? Um, that was me. That was me, yeah. I, 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 I know his brother playing, does some shit. Yeah, yeah. But I, start, I, don't. yeah I started playing keyboards back then, but then I got bored with it. And I kind of stopped. I don't know why I ever stopped. But after, you know, around Eric B's president, I played those bass, that bass line and that one. So I was learning a little 
about the keyboards, but I, I for some reason I stopped. I don't know. I just stopped. But in your mind, you're not thinking like this. This is a new revolution right here. Just... Nah, I just thinking that we finished this session and I'm gonna move on to the next one because I got beats to make. <laughs> <laughs> ass. So how long before Eric B. is president gets made? Um. Uh, well, we made that, and um, I gave him a copy of what we did in the studio that day, and the next week I heard it all over the radio. Wait, what's the time? Th- between my melody and Eric B is president, how many days? Um, um, it was about the following week. I heard it on the radio. Well, um, I heard, I heard, I started hearing it on the radio. And still, then you didn't think like? No, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew. I re- believe me, when I made Eric B is president, Dukes, I already knew that that was gonna be the sh- that was gonna be it because that was more of where I was at. If you notice, I was at make the music with your mouth biz, the bridge, and all of that. And but and even the, then, I think ninety seven BPMs was a little slow for you because by that point, to raw, all your, all your right. joints were like one twelve, like those, super fast. But, I know, but the you make the music and then nobody beats the biz was over there, right? Okay, you get what I'm saying. Those was real good hits for me, so I was like, yo, I want to be over there. That's where I was trying to go, and that's why I want to bring Ra. I want to bring him. There, I want to bring him right, right, right to where I was at with super fast and not not too fast, but you know where people can understand you and and dance. You, you get what I'm saying? I I will say that because by this point, I'll say that between you and the Bomb Squad, mm-hmm. both of you guys pretty much revolutionizing and leading the pack of the new wave of hip hop, which is like. Just this sonic assault mm-hmm. matching the time period. Right. I was like your your version of the the panic sound <laughs> was definitely more. I mean, it was more danceable gotcha. and dance for Like you could still play raw. Gotcha. To this day, you could still play poison. Gotcha. To this day, whereas I mean, you know, just the the engineering of some of the stuff on Nation of Millions is so dense. Right. That it doesn't doesn't cut through right, like how right. many how many how long is it taking you to mix this stuff and um, no nah, you know a lot of that stuff was made in mastering i had very good guys mastering i had heard powers um carlton bats back in the day i heard i had her powers dude so i would come he the would hate yo let me tell you holy. he would hate to see me coming bro <laughs> right because <laughs> he know i'm coming with some shit from the living room oh here come molly i gotta <laughs> fix this shit but by the time I left mastering, them fucking, yo, them shits was like, goom, gong, goom. He, he really fixed a lot of my songs. My songs was made on on four tracks in the crib with, without DBX. So are your MCs <laughs> using pop stoppers at nah, all? Or I, just yo, straight up, like, what type of mic? Yeah, I, was, I, I had like? a sure mic without the, without the bubble. Without the, wow. So just like an SMD8. That's why Mike, that's why... My melodies sound so screechy in his voice. Roxanne's sound so screechy. Some Shan records. And Kane. And Kane. Because I had a fucked up mic. Tariq refuses. Tariq will do 80% of his vocals on like a Shure 58. Yeah. Hoping to get that that just rhyming with biz. Yeah. Distortion. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. You got to take the top off, that ball. They was, they was rhyming with the ball off. I didn't even have a ball. We were so broke. <laughs> <laughs> do you still have that equipment? Yes, I do. I still got that mic and my reel. Ah, 
I can still got that. If you, if I'd have known we was gonna talk about that, I would have brought it. Uh, that's more. I always be bringing it with me if one got to. They, are, they got any of your stuff in the uh, new Smithsonian in DC? I feel like. Uh, they, maybe they need to. Yeah, you know, they will. Yeah. You know, maybe after this it could happen. You yeah. Know what I mean? Oh, it, it's trust me, it's gonna happen. <laughs> Actually, I think uh, shout out to uh, Timothy, Timothy at yeah at the Smithsonian. I think she's. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna meet with her and give her more artifacts. There you go. That's the cool thing about the Smithsonian. For a pack rack like me, I could just wow. give her the stuff. And, and she then... is the hip hop curator. There yeah. you go. All right. Yeah. Absolutely. Make the connection. How does Kane enter the well the picture? Well, let me let me finish with the um, Eric B's president. Thing, okay. Because the the beat from Eric B's president. Came from a song that I made called Stunner the Block by Tragedy. I'm gonna send you it. We're gonna put it on this. But it came from a song called Stunner the Block. And, you know, the funky cuts, because mm-hmm. DJ Hot Day used to be Tragedy's DJ. So I made a, a song called Stunner the Block right after Super Kids. The tragedy won't happen to me. Right. I made that. And then my, that, that follow up song was a, a song called Stunner the Block. Now, Stunner the Block had Eric B's president. Kick snare the pattern. All of that. Right. But when I did Eric B's president, since I couldn't make Stun of the Block a record because they they couldn't they was too young to talk about stunts stunts on the block. How old was tragedy back then? He probably was about probably about twelve when he made Stun of the Block or twelve or thirteen. Very very young. He like. Wait. Speaking of which, I don't want I don't want to miss it. Craig G. Yeah. Did you produce uh, Veronica, like, all the yeah. stuff that he did for Pop Art? Right, a lot of stuff he he did for Pop Art. I did produce a lot of it, the earlier stuff. The old Veronica? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah, the, yeah. Oh, all my that. God. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, so um, so what basically happened, I took the, the drums from Stun of the Block, took, turned everything down, just kept the drums, right. and then put over, like, a fat rat bass line over it. So I already had that drum pattern already for another record. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I sent, I'm gonna send y'all that for this. So, wow! And then, and then you could hear it. You could hear it. It's the same drums, same everything, but it's different music. But I couldn't. I had to erase all of their shit. I don't even have Stun of the Block anymore. But I got the mixes. But I had to erase everything on the master. You didn't make a dub. No, I, I got I got the copies, right. the mixes, and the instrumental and all that. But I don't, I don't have the master because I. The the beat was so hot. It's Eric B. as president. If I didn't erase what was there, you wouldn't have the foundation of Eric B. as president. Okay, I guess that's the yeah, worthy yeah, sacrifice. It's, 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 right, yeah. this. In my mind, I had a funeral for Stun of the Block. Like, uh, you never made it. You, right, right, right. You but I, I, but I got the mixes, though. I got, you know, all types of mixes from it, but I don't have the actual multi-track. But I got... I, I was, you, you know. So by this point, is the SB12 now your instrument of choice? No. What, you're still... No. I'm, 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 well, what, what, let this be a note that, that all the great hip-hop producers hmm. still hold... True, yeah. their their weapon works. of choice. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I still have a few of them. So you say Ninth is still using Fruity Loops? He, I think he is. <laughs> <laughs> he went, I mean, I know at one point in time he was heavy on uh, on Machine, right? So I think he's using Machine now. But I want to say back in like twenty, uh, this is like maybe twenty twelve thirteen, he sent me like a whole batch. He was like, "Yo, new Fruity joint." <laughs> <laughs> All Fruity Loop beats. He went back to it. Yeah. So yeah, he's still he's still on it. And you know, with it, me, I, I moved I moved on. I mean, I could still use 
the old stuff, but I have my 1200s. What I do use is my, um, my Renaissance and go into the 1200 mode because it feels kind of like a 1200. Does it though? I mean, the sound, not the feel, the sound. Okay. It's a little ashy. Okay. <laughs> it's a little, it adds a little I have a Renaissance, it. but eh, it doesn't. It didn't do it like that. It doesn't feel the same. I'd okay. still. Go to that I mean, 12. I've learned on machine, but I'm still like, I'm still grabbing the. the my weapon of choice is yeah, the 2000. I, I do yes. have a 1200. But. There you go. You see, you got the 2000. I use logic and reasons right now. I'm a logic guy, all reasons. I so just, you're not afraid of technology? No, I, I move with it. I, I'm not getting left behind at all because if I would have been the person to get left behind, I probably wouldn't have been sampling. I, you, you get what I'm saying? I was, probably would have never sampled that first thing and used it for what it was at that point. I'm always the one to grab technology and and use it for what I need it for. You're going to make it for what you're making it for, but I'm going to use it for what I need it for. I see. So in 88, is, I mean, are you overwhelmed at this point? Because you're yeah. making yeah. the going off record. You're yeah. making Kane's record. Yeah. You're making Shantae's stuff. Yeah. Cool G Rap's about to enter the photo. Yeah. And, how, and how long are you spending on these records? Just real quick. Like, how long would it take to make... Oh, we making oh, we making a record like we making two records a day type uh, type thing. It was like it was like a assembly line. We making two records a day. Who's who's next? Who's tomorrow? Sessions after session. Every day's a session. And this is all. Is this still crib. in your kitchen? No, nah, this way after I moved to a story, it became like an assembly line. Okay, that's when I met Kane. So talk about Kane. Now Kane comes to my door. Business late one day. He comes to my door. I'm With thinking, his afro. Yeah, I'm thinking. He's, I'm thinking he's trying to stick me up because now I lived in the story. Finally, finally, I was like, yeah, like finally when are you going to get paranoid, bro? You know. You know. <laughs> now I go downstairs. There's a dude, some dark skin dude at the door. I'm like, yo, I don't even know this dude. I don't know why I even buzzed him in my building. He got to the door. I'm like, damn, I don't even know this dude. I let buzz him in the building at the door. I'm like, yo, shit. He like, I'm he upstairs. So it's only one of him. It's only me and him. So I'm like, yo. It's not two of them, so it's just going to have to be me and Dukes. You get what I'm saying? So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, sizing them up. <laughs> so anyway, like, you know, I opened my door like a little halfway and shit. It's like, yo, what up? He's like, yo, I'm here to meet Biz. Oh, yeah? I'm like, so um, I write Biz's rhymes. I was like, oh, you do? So tell me a rhyme th that you wrote for Biz. And he said some shit that never came out yet. Okay. Oh, I was like, oh, this nigga official. Because how he gonna know that? <laughs> right. I was like, all right, come in. So I let him in and shit, and we sitting there. Stick him up, motherfucker. <laughs> now nah, we, nah, we sitting there talking and shit. We sitting there, and you know, he's telling me that you know, I rhyme a little. You know, I never heard myself on the on the on the mic. You know, on the on the on the so and so. You know, I'm like, oh, whatever. So you know, we sitting there, biz kind of late. So you know, I said, fuck it. Let me throw on. I threw on fucking. I'll take you there, beat. You I, had it made already. Yeah, we, matter of fact, he he said, "Let's run." I like to rhyme off. I take you there, so I chopped it up real quick and put it there. Then then the shit had Big Daddy. Right, he uh, know that shit, and I caught that and started like he's like, "Oh, so we, that's when we kind of bond." And I made that. He rhymed off that, and that was kind of like his first little demo before Biz got there. And I, Did you I, name him that, or was he? Nah, he was calling himself Big Daddy. He was already Big Daddy, but. When when he rhymed on that, I knew I was like, "Yo, this nigga is way different from everybody I'm fucking with here. This nigga's the shit. <laughs> this nigga's the, this, the he's the real shit because his diction was right. He had the voice, and I was like, "Yo, this nigga kind of dice." And I, you know, I went back to the record company. Yo, Biz Wright is the shit. Yo, Biz Wright ain't no artist. 
That's what they told. What? Me. That's what they told me. Wow. So, well, and so on the low, I would just record. You know, I would just record more with him. Every time he would come, I'm recording a little more with him, get more ammo. And then after a while, I was like, yo, we we had his album done, shit. But I I kind of I kind of did his his earlier recordings around Biz being late. <laughs> so Biz must have CB time yeah. on lock. <laughs> yeah, Biz Marquis lateness to thank Kane's career. Well, you know, especially the first record. Wow. Because that's how we first bonded off of the first, you know, the first little thing. And at that time in hip hop, because you know, you just say so freely, like, well, Kane was Biz's writer. Right. Was there any kind of stigma in terms of being an MC that had a writer? Was um, any of that? You know, the, the funny thing, nobody. With Biz, I mean, nobody never went at him for. They they probably didn't even know that he didn't write the Vapors first. You know what I'm saying? They didn't know Kane wrote the Vapors for him. You know, Biz rhymes when he wrote a rhyme, it was like a fun, happy rhyme. But any rhyme that ra- made a lot of sense, it was. <laughs> <laughs> so he wrote sitting on the toilet then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most likely, I can't see Kane writing that. You know, I can't. Maybe I Kane has Biz. Maybe I think Kane wrote Biz. Has Biz always spelled his name in every rhyme he's ever spit? That was a selling point too. He he understood marketing very early. I feel you. You're nearing the last hour of this very special course love supreme interview with the legendary Marley Wong, who just told us about uh, working with some of the best MCs of the '80s. And uh, not even dating it. I think of all time. Oh, period. Of yeah. all time. Yes, definitely of all time. Um, so, cool Does G. have Kane and G-Rap in the same crew. Yeah, because that version of Raw that Ooh. I heard, oui. where they just... Mm-hmm. Yeah, why didn't that come, come out? What? Well, yeah, like... What? Well, to why be honest... Why did it even make the B-side of... <laughs> the, the, the real version, your man G-Rap rhymed all the way to the end. He killed it. He, you know, he was like G Rap. I mean, they, that was a real battle. That was they was really going on that. That was like really because at that point, um, G, um, Kane was getting so famous in the crew, and G Rap been here already. So he was like trying to hold. So he was around before Kane, right? He was around before Kane. Okay. Yeah, he was around before Kane. So you know, the the new cat against the 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 the. You know the the street rapper. You get what I'm saying? G rap right. was always that that hard rapper with with, with with polo. Now they get to clash on a record, going off on a on a crazy beat. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that shit was crazy when they killed that raw shit. So even then, did you feel like uh, there's some historical shit? That's... Yeah, I knew right there because it was like the it was my Titans right there going at it. Yeah, it was Clash of the Titans. For yeah, real. it was Clash of the Titans for us. Yeah, it was crazy. So this leads to the story. Well, I have two stories of the symphony. Okay. One, why was Shan not on the symphony? Mm-hmm. Two, why was Kane not obviously in the video. not <laughs> in the video? <laughs> Am I the only first person there? <laughs> well. Basically, you know, we made that record when we left the the photo shoot on the back, when we all standing in front. Whose of plane was that? We rented that. It was a prop. <laughs> it was a prop. Everything was a prop. You you started many uh, unreachable 
right. <laughs> of, of course. Like I just thought, like, oh, that's what we got to do. We got to, we'll make it one day when we. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I was, I was, I was told stuff. that <laughs> <laughs> the first Instagram front of. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, he's like, yo, you know, he's like, yo, we get in front of a plane, we look like we doing it. We look like we, in, you know, we really doing it. So we, we got in front of that, you know, we got in front of that plane and. People thought we was really doing it. And yes, we thought you were doing yeah, it. And then what? <laughs> guess what happened? Then we started really doing it. It's like sometimes you you know you speak it into existence like that, and, and we kind of did. And next thing you know, I mean that wasn't my first time being there. Private joint. I was already experienced the experience in the Shantae area mm-hmm. era. You you know what I mean? So, but we stood in front of those and looked like we just came from off tour. It looked like we so busy, and wow. After that, after that, those pictures came out and everybody saw that, mm-hmm. we really started getting that busy. It came right in. It, well, that that inspired. And 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 for Shan not being on the record, he you know he he just he didn't you know he he didn't show up. He was supposed to come. He said, oh, "I'll meet y'all there," and he just didn't come. And you know, I put. Does master- he regret it? I don't know. You may have to ask him when, when, when you get him here. You know, not once. It was just like, damn, I wanted to be on that. Like, I, I would have been salty. And, you know, but that was a big record because look what yes. look what it did for. Imagine if that was in dude's arsenal. It could have been, you know, maybe a little different situation. But a different you, turnout. Right. It could have been a little different. I mean, not to say anything's, you know, bad with dude, but, you know, it, it can, right. he could have had that in his arsenal. Like, yo, nigga, I'm on Stephanie. What? You know what I'm saying, and and that means a lot because Master I mean, Ace. It's, it's considered the greatest, one of the greatest, greatest posse, posse cuts. There yeah. you go. So that that is that the first posse cut of all time. I mean, well, he, I mean, my, he had the Crash Crew and all those guys, but this is like a, a posse of guys that wasn't a crew in the same right, right. right. There's a posse of guys that you know we we in the Juice Crew, but we could hold our own. Right. Everybody could hold their own kind. I can make my own record and still stand, but you know, Master Ace did very well from being the first person on that record. You know, and I put him there as a filler, trying to put him there just in case. Ah, uh, okay. He, he wasn't even supposed to really stay there. You, you get Who what I'm saying? Who are you holding out for? Hey, for whoever was supposed to show up. <laughs> 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 I mean, in your mind, who did you think was going to... Was it Ra? Did you want Ra? Like, do you think Rakim would have held his own on the on the symphony, or that that was too slow for him? Um, he could he would have been dope because he rocked my he rocked um, Eric B's president, so he would have killed that symphony. I think, to be honest, I would have always liked to hear. I think Shantae could have been on the symphony. Yeah, if Shantae was on the symphony, buddy, woo we, she, you know, you're right. I, I always I wanted her to be on it, but I had a record with her already on my album. So I, I, you know, I had a net record. Whack it. Yeah, you know. What was up with the war between or the, the back? I mean, they didn't necessarily respond, but right. like, what was her feeling at that time? Was it like, oh, all these females are blowing up with these pop hits, and you know, when is my turn? Because by that point, Salt and Pepper yeah, was yeah. kicking in. I, I know that Whack it was probably aimed at either them or JJ Fat, whatever, but. Even, even I guess she even addressed it on uh, uh, "Bad Sister," the, the first cut on mm-hmm. the 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 solo record that she yeah. did. I believe she. What just was her feeling at that time? Was it like, when's it going to be my turn? Or she just wasn't a fan of of you know because she was kind of hardcore rap and and going at people in the crowd and you know she just wasn't with that pop thing yet. 
I mean, it's before Pop was proven. You know what I mean? Okay. So she, you know, she probably didn't appreciate being a, you know, rapping and going hard, and then they come in with it sounded like a song they didn't even try to make, and it went really well. <laughs> it's like <laughs> <laughs> they just got lucky, right? You know, not lucky, but you know, it just went well. Sometimes you don't put effort into something; you just rock out and say what you feel and put it in the atmosphere, and it, it could work out. But there's some people that go in the studio and bust their ass, and it don't become anything. So. You know, maybe she just felt that, yo, I'm putting in work, and all they got to do is that and pop. And that, you know, but certain things are for certain people. You know what I mean? One one thing about Kane, though, uh, I noticed that he was sort of the neutral member of the Juice Crew. Mm. Whereas even Chris mm-hmm. would shout him out on BDP records. Mm-hmm. But I mean, what was his position on being a Juice Crew member? Like, was it like, yo, why are you um, cool? The you know, was it? To be honest, they always had a, a special friendship. Okay, KRS One and um and 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 Kane. Um, I believe that KRS One and Miss Melody moved Kane out of his place in Brooklyn when he first got his condo oh. for his first album. You get what I'm saying? So they always had a special relationship. So they had a friendship way right. before. They had a friendship way Kane before was, everything. Okay. Yeah. So they was already. So was cool that weird other. or awkward? Like, uh, awkward. Um, I'm in the juice crew now. Or... Well, I guess that was something they had to deal with. I mean, b- because Karis didn't mention him on any records. Right. And by this point, is 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 Mr. Magic even a factor in '87, '88? At that era? point, Mr. Magic. Um, I would say by the eighty nine, by the ni- early nineties, um, he probably he wasn't much of a factor with with everybody. Everybody was their own person, and I wasn't on the radio with with, with him anymore. I was doing in con- starting to do in control mm-hmm. because I had an in control album out, put it out in what eighty nine, no eighty eighty eight. I got the budget in eighty seven, bought a house. You get what I'm saying? So at, um, at any point during this yeah. period, is this a, no pun intended, a water into the bridge moment? Like, have you ever not run into BDP in those years and been like, you, all right, let's talk? And You know what the funny thing? I took it serious. I wasn't fucking with them dudes. Okay. You ain't, you ain't, you ain't see me on no commercials, no Sprite commercials. I was not fucking with them, bro. Really? Because in your eyes, they were trying to take yeah. your livelihood. Right, out I'm like, dude, we, you know, I I I didn't prove how y'all came, so fuck y'all. So I never did nothing with them. Wow, nothing. I mean, so even they wanted to be in the Sprite commercial. So even when the Shannon did the Sprite commercial, you were like, they wanted no. me to in there. I said no, well, I ain't fucking with it. I'm not fucking with y'all. Didn't they use the beat though? Didn't they yeah, use? They, did. they could do all that, but I, you didn't see my face in there. You ain't seen me fucking. So with it took that a long time for y'all to finally have that conversation, and yeah, we finally, you know, because I never, I never really understood why he was mad at us. I'm like, dude, I always thought in my mind, why, this, why, why, why he was mad at us, dude? We the motherfucking Juice Crew, we we out here saving hip hop, <laughs> right? Yo, we out here saving hip hop, dude, and and you got something to say. So I never understood why he was mad until one day I read his bio, and in his bio he said. It all happened with a, ch- a chance meeting with Mr. Magic. And he described what happened, and I remembered that day. Mm. I said, oh, that was those motherfuckers. Uh. And then it all came to me. 
oh, they was mad because that's them niggas that magic dissed that, that, that shit. <laughs> he dissed them and slammed the door and left me in there with them. I was, so I, in your mind, when you're hearing the bridge is over, it's coming from someone totally random that had nothing to do with. Right. I didn't. I didn't understand where it was coming from. And I, and I and I and I guess what? And I didn't even explore <laughs> why. I didn't give a fuck. So I just was like, yeah, fuck it. Let me just walk away for a minute. I never really realized until I read his bio in the 90s. I was at Hot 97 in Tracy's office, Tracy Clority's office one day, and I was going through bios. And I saw PDP's off, PDP's bio. I was like, oh, this looks interesting. Let's see what they wow. say about the beef. Yeah. Let me read this. Right. <laughs> and I'm going through it. It all happened. One day we met Mr. Magic at Power Play Studio, and he dissed us. I said, this shit never happened. Then I said, oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's the motherfuckers. <laughs> and this was like, this had to be 10 years later, yo. Oh, wow. So how long did That's it take crazy. then for you to, when you see him again, at after some point, now that you're, yeah, after yo, you found out. After one day, it was like, yo, me, the way me and Chris met each other, I don't know where it was at. I, we was in, it was in a revolving door in the building, Dukes. I swear to God. <laughs> Going yeah. in circles. Dukes. I was on one side of the revolving door. He was on the other. I looked at him. He looked at dun, me. Dun, dun. That was the first time we ever met each other, <laughs> <Wow>. kid. <laughs> so I came outside and I said, yo, what up? He's like, yo, what up? And then we started talking. I said, yo, I was like, yo, that was y'all at Power Play. I said, yo, I, I never knew why y'all had beef. He said, yo. Then Actually. He then he started explaining right. it. <laughs> and I was like, wow. I was like, yo, that was y'all. I was like, yo, that, that shit was crazy. It wow. just... Fuck my head up. The bridge is over was the original stand. Yep. Yep. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Great analogy, right. Fonte. Yep. 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 And then so after that we spoke and then after that we got pretty cool. And then one day he called me up and said, Yo, yo, let's do an album. Wow. Yo, I, I didn't really talk to him until like it had to be like two thousand. Damn. I wasn't fucking with them at all. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? 
That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Uh, thank God for deliverance. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I appreciate, at least as a, as a fan, that it didn't escalate right. further. Right. Whereas, you know, that seems to be the ongoing narrative for yeah. anything post Right. 95, 96 hip hop. No doubt. But, I mean, was it just that that wasn't even an option? Or oh, were you careful was, where, you, where you went? Like, I, I'm not going. Mm. I mean, I wasn't the one to go hang out in the Bronx at, at, at two in the morning. You right. know what I'm saying? With that shit going on. But but I wasn't a fever. I wasn't a disco fever with magic a lot. And nothing, that, nothing ever happened to me. I used to be there all the time in the Bronx. You get what I'm saying? So. Did you not club a lot, but would you go to very, like? Do you have Latin Quarter stories or or the rooftop? Or yeah, I, I would go any of these folklore spots. Yeah, I would go check it out. I would what go your, check it what out. Was your, what was your spot in New York? To um, I used to like Latin Quarter back in the day. I used to like Latin Quarter was, was the shit. Would you go just to test and? I would go check it out. Um, Union Square. I used to like Union Square. The last show at Union Square was me and Shan, and then the place got shut down after that, never to open again. Really. It turned into something. So you bad. go to Latin Quarter, <laughs> even though that was Red's home. Yeah, or? I would go there. You know, just stop over there and see what's going on, because he wasn't playing any night. Okay, you know what I'm saying. He would be like maybe on Saturday night he would be there. But, you so know. for you, what's a typical night at Latin Quarter like? Would you? Uh, I would go through, see the ball busters, move out their way. <laughs> what are the ball busters? There was the, like a crew of people like that. You got to think about that was the. The time of the, when everybody was wild in the New York City, like 50 people would walk around and just terrorize a block. And you weren't annoyed at all? No, I would step back. I would always step back. And, you know, a lot of people would know who I am. They're like, yo, what up, mom? And just give me that. I, I never had problems like that. Never. Never in the streets out here. Never. I don't, I don't be having problems because I don't, I, don't, I don't present that type of energy. Okay. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I don't got no attitude. I'm good with everybody. I'm, I'm giving, slapping people daps, taking my pictures, you know. People always got love when they see me. Most people's producers are doing something, and they you know, admire what I did. Yo, yo, thank you for so and so. Thank you for this. wherever I go. I never got be. I, I don't. Got, I don't be having beef like that because I don't. You know, it's just not like that. I don't. I don't carry that type of energy. So, how would you test a record? Like, if you had an example of like a, a record you had that you wanted the DJ, like, would you use those clubs to test to see? Um. Oh yeah. I would all see what they playing, see what's hot, see what they fucking with, see you know, see what the you know, see what they playing. What with. was your greatest story reaction of like, oh, this is just gonna work? Like, oh, when, when I used to see, the, I already knew Public Enemy was Public Enemy was a go, because anytime Public Enemy music would play in any of those clubs back in the day, regardless of what Magic said, they shit was popping. But I meant for your records. Like, oh, for me, nobody beats the biz. Nobody beats the biz was big for me. Um, something for the radio was extra big for me. Wow. Yeah, something Tell me about that record. And, that's and not did even Prince no ever <laughs> find out? Like, what's that to me is one of the most that, that that's that's a genius moment in sampling. Yeah. For and you one to one day take... I was yeah, one day I was watching a movie and I just saw it. I was like, yo, that was dope. 
<laughs> Word. And I had the VHS. Yeah, the VHS. And I ran cassette. it back, and I just went straight to the Akai with the VHS. And did I, Prince ever? Uh, did they even get wise to it? They cleared it from me one day. Oh. Wow! Wow! Y'all was label mates. You don't get what I said, so I'll leave. One it day, I'll I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I'm saying, hold up! I'm saying that they used it in a, they used it in something and cleared it back from me. Didn't know where it came from. That's all I'm saying. Ah, I'm, gonna to, I'm gonna have to think about this on, one a little bit. All right. So, uh, so what they used it? They used some for the radio and cleared it with me. Right, yeah. I, Wait. I. Mm, okay. I'm gonna play this to someone radio, and I gotta figure out what he just right. dropped in my lap. <laughs> this is Bismarcky, something for the radio. Yo, this is fun. Bring in the bass, man. Yo, 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 stop playing around. Bring in the bass. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, so for those that don't know, like Under the Cherry Moon is one of my favorite B C films of yeah. all time. Mm-hmm. Boss Bilkin. The classic follow up to Purple Rain. Yeah. I, I think it's a classic. I think it is though. too. Oh it is. It is. Even though, you know, critics are it's out of his you don't like it, Fonte? I did not like Under the Cherry Moon, but well it, no fired. no, let me say this. It is a classic. <laughs> The but film might as well be called Niggas and It's a classic, but for all the all the wrong reasons. No, yeah. I, but it is classic. It is classic. Wow. I actually went to the movies to see that. Wow. As a kid. I did too. I cut church to see Wow. That. Yes. And coming after Purple Rain, it was just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> He's well, expanding, expanding a little. <laughs> so to, are you allowed to tell the meta story of it or no, nah, we'll just leave it at that. Okay. okay. I don't know if the remix ever came out, but I know one day I was approached by their team to declare that <laughs> for a remix that they were doing, and they used something for the radio. That is the most mind-blowing, awesomest story. Well, it's kind of like the, the J. Swift remix of um, uh, Let It Go. Let It Go. Where he samples Dorothy Parker. Yeah, but does he clear it himself? He has to clear it. I don't know. For, for, like, does Prince have to clear a Prince sample on his own record? That's. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's... Through, probably through their publishing. If it's a different publisher, because I got a lot of titles and a different different administrators for different songs. So, if I have a different administrator for something, I probably would have to clear it with the other side. Wow. So, <laughs> can you imagine not clearing your own sample? Right. I'm getting sued by yourself. So I'm suing myself. <laughs> so, real quick, for for raw. Yes. To get that. To get that. Naked drum break. Right. Am I assuming that you went to the UK to pick up the 12 inch mm-hmm. of Bobby Birds? I'm coming to get that because that wasn't in circulation at that point. So right. you would like, well, was this from your, 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 your traveling to Europe and like, what is your digging game like as far as? At that point, I was, I was digging kind of hard because. I was, you know, ahead of everybody and trying to stay ahead of everybody when it came to these kicks and snares. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have, you know, but the funny thing is the more I dug, the more I realized that impeached the president was the shit. 
I could, I could never, I could <laughs> never, never top that one. Yes, yeah, it was hard to find some shit that that topped that one, and you know that made the most hits. So you know, I, I would go to every country I would go to. Of course, I would go raid the the record stores and look for certain artists and certain things. You know, certain situations. You know, I I, I used to always do that. But then after a while, you know, I would. I'm the type of guy like this. I love them and leave them, Dukes. I, I, I sample them. And 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 once I put it down, I could lose the record. Mm. Maybe I don't have it no more. I, I I sample it, and it could be there. I, once I got it in digital form, I, I might lose the wax or whatever. You know what I'm saying? I'm kind of like that. Once I sample it, blast for me. I know, I know. You know, a lot of a lot of times, like like that, those original impeach the president records that I sampled. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what those 45s is at, dude. <sighs> a lot of a lot of my records, like I got like a, a place full of records that I don't I don't keep up with. Where what is, you know? I don't. Oh, this is the section for that. I don't, I don't really do that. I just you need somebody to organize start, your stuff. Yeah, start doing that because <laughs> there's cats like me and maybe about fifty other cats that are now just in in the present, you know, preserving history mm-hmm. business of right. you know. I'm certain that wherever that 45 is in your yeah. storage bin or whatever, mm-hmm. like that is. I got it, and and it, but the bottom beat to the symphony. Um, drums that uh-huh. that was an Aaron Fuchs hookup too. Oh, man. I don't even know what the hell that is. That's a crazy beat. I was always trying to figure out how you had access to all these rare forty fives that I will be charged forty dollars, fifty dollars, yeah. sixty, seventy, eighty, ninety dollars yeah. going to Japan to get. Yeah. You know, there they'll sell you synthetic substitution forty five for oh, yeah. like two hundred bucks, oh, yeah. and I'm like, you have these records, so yeah. I, he, he, he gave he gave me a lot, I and he see. gave me substitution back in the day too. I got that on forty forty five. All right, so we 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 got time to talk about Uncle L. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. yeah man, come always on. got time what? for Uncle L. Come oh on. yeah, give us the story. Like how? I mean, at this point, you have the world in your hands. You you. You came with Roxanne. You came with Shan. You came with Kane. Uh, you you came with Master Ace. You came mm-hmm. with Craig G. Mm-hmm. Now then, then I left the Juice Crew. That's right. You went to Uptown for that's a second, right, right? That's right. I had left the Juice Crew because how how I, it was like at that point I got tired of it. I was like, Dukes, man, I did all this. Yo, I made like four albums this year. I only made two hundred thousand dollars. I was a staff producer with Cold Chilling, and I was like, Yo, I only made I made four albums that year. And I was making two hundred thousand dollars a year, and I'm like, Dukes, I could make one album and get three fifty, four hundred. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's, I was like, that was it. After I did those four albums, I broke out. So that was why I, you I never, kinda, you didn't really do none of they they sophomore. I was gonna no, say you no. never did no one sophomore joints. Let me tell you what I did. To be honest with Cold Chill and I Dr. Dre them, I just walked away. I was like, y'all can have this. Y'all do this. Go ahead. Keep but going. was Cold Chillin' a Death Row-esque <laughs> At that point, you, um, no, it wasn't, it wasn't nothing, nothing crazy like that. It's just that I figured I could make more money over here. So I took, I took Tragedy, Craig G, and we went, uh, we went our way. And then I was working with Heavy D. I had hits with Heavy D that started toppling what I was doing over there. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? I made a lot of good records at Cold Chillin'. We had a lot of good yes, times. Yes, you did, yeah. A lot of good historical records. You built Cold Chillin'. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you kind of built that. But those are not my most successful records in my catalog. I get it, but from a, from a sentimental standpoint, right. 
we're always going to think, oh, raw, of road course. to the riches, of course, all of that course. stuff, of course, you know. But those right. are not the ones, you know. Those are those are great records, but those are not my grossing records that I could live off of to this day. No, I, I feel you. <laughs> you you I understand? Feel you. So there's a difference. <laughs> you know, I can't retire off that shit unless somebody sample it. If Wait, you, you know what I mean? Before before you get in the LL, right. Okay, you worked with Tragedy when he was twelve, right? And then when he changed to Intelligent Hoodlum, right? That that I think that Intelligent Hoodlum record is probably yeah. one of your most slept on. The one with right. the rest of the president, yeah, Ooh, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 that, yeah, yeah. Oh, Black and Black Brown, and Brown. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, oh, man, dude, yeah. you. Because that, that, so that, that was my come out party. That was my come out party, bro. That was my come out party where I'm away from cold chilling. Yeah, I'm doing what the fuck I want right now. I got I, I got this militant black dude that's want to throw his fists up and pump the pump the issue. Let's go, black and proud. Arrest the president. What? And when you, know, you made that beat like that to me was like yeah, arrest the ah, president. Yeah, arrest the that president. That and 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 uh, intelligent hope was the do 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 do. What sample was that? What sample is that? <laughs> <laughs> we remade that. We remade that for Game Theory and, and, and didn't. Ah, shit. Wow. That just, I put it on the shelf. But that was one of my favorite Marley Marl piano lines. I can't even, I can't even, I can't reveal it. it wait, I, I come on, man. It. I can't reveal it. I can't reveal it. Not even in private. I, I, Not on the air, but I. Right, we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know you gotta think that's when I first left you know right. I started working with um heavy and mm-hmm. I went to uptown you did girls they love me yeah right. I did girls they love me I did overweight lovers in the house I worked on um um what else um overweight lovers in the house girls they love me Mr Big Stuff you get what I'm saying you did Mr Big Stuff I worked on that too I was part of it so and then uptown's kicking it so uptown's kicking it so. That's when I kind of, I left the Juice Crew. I broke out. I was like, I'm not fucking. Man. I'm done. I did enough that I'm gonna do. You know, what I'm saying I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to even. You know, I just went over there and started working with them. And so started what the, developing what the, heavy. What the Biz and Kane and and Kane got with Teddy Riley. Yeah, Tank Kane got with well, Teddy. I know, but <laughs> <laughs> I get the job done was a jam. Right, right. Yeah, it was. I like I like that. That was a good joint. You it know. was cool. I mean, it, it was it was good. But it wasn't what, what it he wasn't what people, in though. right, and it, it wasn't what people expected to hear from him at that point. I know, but I always considered side two of oh, it's, it's a, a big, big daddy, daddy thing Ooh. as yeah. the the deep voice, the dark gable. No, that King. was we and this and more of this. <laughs> you know, no, nah, no, I wish you because that yeah, right. we, that was leading to taste the chocolate, right? And it was just like, okay, right? Barry White and Allison Williams. He left right. the fellas and went to the ladies. Forgot about the Allison Williams. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Ain't nothing wrong with that. Not a shame. That's what I'm saying. And Barry White. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a shame. shame. <laughs> that was Allison Williams, man. Y'all ain't mad. Dang, Y'all ain't why mad. are you doing this to me? Y'all ain't Actually, mad. wait a minute. No, you did the day you're mine. I yeah. did the day you're mine. Yo, okay, TJ Swan. We didn't talk about oh, TJ yes. Swan. We got to talk about TJ Swan. Where T- and who? Well, who? TJ Swan. Who is the TJ Swan? TJ Swan was brought on. Because I see TJ Swan. It's not. There's some another artist with TJ Swan that. Is not the singing T.J. Swan, right? Yeah, it yeah. Is. It was a few. It was like it was a T.J. Swan before him. It was like a another dude rhyming. Then it was a singing guy. It was it was it was somebody that made a record before even him. He he made you know. Oh, wow. came I thought his him, so. record was going to come out. I, it was on. It was supposed to. He was a, he was 
signed to Arista, a what? side deal. He Clive Davis Clive, felt Clive, that? Yo, let me tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you something. No, 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 Whitney. Hold yo, on to be honest. Let, <laughs> no, hold on. Stop, stop. There was supposed to be a TJ Swan and Whitney duet. Nigga, hell no. You are lying. You are You are lying. I'm not lying. TJ and Whitney? Yo. Nigga. Can y'all play some TJ Swan? I'm like, oh, I need to God. No, you don't. Make the music. No, yeah. no. You no. Wanna, no, you gotta. He's no. like the worst. The music. It's Look, like he's the good, best worst bad singer. singer. Yeah. Let me like, play Left Me Lonely. Oh, wait, wait. Is he singing on Left Me Lonely? Oh, Lord yeah. Jesus TJ Christ. TJ Swan is the best worst singer ever. Wait, I gotta find it. All right, all right, I got it. All right. Let me play Left Me Lonely by MC Shan and TJ Swan. She told me her name, gave her number and all. And when I stepped, she said, I better call. It took about a month, but she was finally mine. Everything was going smooth, we were doing fine. After a while, it wasn't a thing. We were either holding hands or she was under my wing. She used to whisper in my ear, I'm her one and only. But she ran with another man and left me lonely. Marvelous Marv, Marlon Williams, <laughs> one of my idols. The reason why I even have 19 jobs today has just told me <laughs> that TJ Swan, Thelonious Jerome Swan, <laughs> was about to record with Whitney Houston. No, for on real. I mean, to be honest, it was it was like a deal that, that that Clive was like, yo, Clive was like, yo, I want TJ Swan because because TJ Swan was on all these. All these street songs. Right, you right, get what right, I'm right. saying? Make the music with your mouth biz. Nobody beats the biz. And I think they wanted some of that. They wanted some of that. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Well, you're so, right, because they started their division in the 88 with uh, Eddie Murphy's brother. Yeah, uh, K-9 no doubt. K-9 yeah, you go. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I did fuck with that one, though. That's right. Yes. Right. Wait to the 100%. So you think it was Whitney that put the Knicks on it? Like, I don't no, know. No, 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 no. <laughs> now, if something happened with Cole Chilling where um, he was going to put put out Swan, and then a call came from somebody at Cole Chilling, and he didn't want to be involved with going back and forth. So he's like, yo, he's going to pass on this one. But, you know, you know that's, that's basically what it was. We're here with Marley Maul, uh, talking about the career that could have been the great T.J. Swan. <laughs> um, so we kind of j- joke about how on the show Unsung, like, hip-hop is always the villain, like, for a lot of these soul groups, and then hip-hop came and destroyed, you know, their career. Right. Uh, but New Jack Swing wow. is slowly coming around the corner and is sort of edging traditional hip hop mm-hmm. uh as the, the 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 new choice or whatever. Like how are you adjusting it to it? Cause now I'm starting to hear like a at least on live on stage and some of the stuff that the 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 bumpy bass lines uh-huh. boom, boom, that 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 fresh prince bass line. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Right. So how are you adjusting to um to be honest, I'm I mean I accept the new jacks swing when it came in because I, I really admired what Teddy was doing back then because one thing I could tell you about Teddy, he was the guy that was taking hip-hop sounds and putting it to R&B mm-hmm. and key. Right. And I was like, wow, that's kind of dope. That's like different. So I, I started I started doing some remixes like that too. Kind of like, you know, I, I, I produced a few 
a few songs with, with a little bouncy beat ba- bass line. Round the way, girl, and one of those little bass lines. You get what I'm saying? So I, I, I kind of made a few joints like that too because, I, believe me, I, I, I used that that Yamaha. That shit CX-8. was so funky, though, man. I was going to ask, okay, what, is your, what is your keyboard choice? <laughs> like, what oh, that, is... Back then, that was a, um, a Yamaha TZ, a, a small little module with the bass. bass. Everybody um, was using that one. Just before, I want to touch on this before we forgot, because I think, like, no one ever talks about these guys. The Flex. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, what, flex. the Flex. The these Flex. These were the guys that singing on uh, Darren on Lighty. Yes. Oh, Around the Way Girl? Around yeah. the Way Girl. How do you and, know uh, this? Yo, I, I was, was waiting for that album to come out after reading yeah, the Yeah, the Flex album. And the yeah. Flex also had an How album. How do you know this? The Mama Flex. Said, Mama said, knock you out. They was on Around the Way Girl. They did illegal search. Illegal search. Right. Now, let me explain. I read the liner notes. All right. But let me explain what happened to them after this. Okay, who were they? Who were they? They became very, very big after... Around the way, girl, but you may not know. You're about who to they drop was. a bomb, aren't you? I'm about to drop a bomb. Let me get it ready. They produced Jaheen. <laughs> they produced Jaheen. So, all the backgrounds is one of the guys is um, Cliff Lighty. He does all Jaheen's backgrounds. Could it be the one that. Uh, Every right. Jaheen background, Cliff Lighty's doing. All right. Right. Chris, um, his brother, not his brother, that's this different set of Lighty's. His brother, um, Darren, produces um, In Touch. Too hype. Too hype. Wow. What? Yes. And and then um what else did they do? They did they did like it was so many records they did. They did um what else? Oh, and then Eric from the group became in Black Street. What? Oh, Eric Williams. Wow. Oh man. So I'm trying to tell you. So all of them, all of them did very very well after Around the Way Girl. That was kind of like an intro for them, but you know, Cliff. Did you right, find them or? Of course, I, I walked into Sam Ash one day. <laughs> There's a lot of visiting. I, uh, yeah, I walked into Sam Ash one day. I I was looking at a keyboard. The the salesman was showing me on the keyboard. I said, "Hey, it does this. Boom, boom. It does this. Boom, boom, boom. It does this." He made a beat right in front of me. I was like, "Oh, that shit is hot. Give me two of those." Right. Wow. I get it home. I can't do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I go back to the store. Yo, my man, I can't do none of that. He's like, yo, but it's so easy. Da, da, da. I was like, yo, hold up, man. How much you making here, bro? That was Darren Lighty. Ah. Straight up changing people's lives. How, 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 much you, how much you work? How much you get up here in Sam Ash? Because I could double that. Yo, he quit that day. Came up to the house of hits, and that was it. We was good. And, and you we, just we started, and we started making hired him on the spot. On the spot, and he showed me. He, he became my programmer. And then that's so where does LL into the picture? Now LL, I was um, he was I was doing my radio show and he's promoting Walking with a Panther, and you know I I knew it wasn't the greatest album for him, but I still was giving okay. him props on a, I was still giving him props I on the radio. You Walk with, Walk with a Panther? Nah. Maybe look look look. It I came out dropping them and like. It was joints on there. Yeah, it was joints. Jingling was on Dude, there. The Nitro? original jingle. Yeah. I didn't like Nitro? the original jingle. I didn't like the original jingle. I didn't like the original jingle. That's no. what got me on. I said, yo, let me remix that joint when you said running niggas over like a redneck trucker. He said, oh, yeah. He said, oh, okay. I didn't like And then Brian got me the vocals. Not the original. No. That was Jim Kelly's karate. Yeah. That was like Jones. Nah, bro. What? You didn't like that? Dropping them, Nitro. 
Uh, what else? Is I on like the the joint on side two. The A, the B, the, B, the C, the D, the E. Like Rob Squad had four good joints on that joint. You didn't like big old butt four. No, come on. Wait, 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 With your drums, with your drums. Yes, you said four, right? That album had like twenty songs on it. Yeah, it did. You know, okay, you know what it was, and it had "You're My Heart" on it. The, in two different worlds. Oh, uh, uh, you should see his face now. You only get your own one shot. Love. Look, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Oh, All right. man. You only and that wasn't TJ Swan. <laughs> <laughs> Walking with the Panther is sentimental to me. Mm-hmm. I just graduated high school. Okay. It just came out. Mm. I was curious to figure out if LL was going to graduate to Breakbeats. Okay. So the fact that dropping him used the meters joint, I was like, okay, he's he's great because LL is always like an indicator for what's the will next? he jump to that next level right. or not? You mm. know what I mean? Mm. And ah, so I don't know. Maybe it was the fact that I just graduated high school, which was like it is. <laughs> I like a lot of shitty music too when I was a teenager, yeah. Amir. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, but he MC was brains. But he was definitely um promoting I that. Like MC brains. And he came to the station. Well, I like I like the jingling baby. Yeah. I didn't like that. When uh, Marley remix, remix, I was like, that re- remix, remix was it. like yeah, the that remix, was it. That, that canceled it. For me. Am I assuming I'm just gonna ask, the one that I'm used to is the Marley remix. Yes, yes, yes. yes. The one in the video is the remix. And you say New York City. Right, right. Yeah, there you go. says dance to the remix mm. single of. Yeah, right, right. Right, right. 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 with the walking in the sunshine shit, man. And so you God. remixed it? Wait, yeah, they gave me a shot. The... They gave me a shot to remix that, and you know we remixed it, and it came out pretty well. Did well, and we, then we went in the studio, kind of on our own, and started making an album without authority from the station. I mean, from his um, label, we just started making. Yo, come to the crib. Let's make some joints. Boom. We, we like five in. Four in, six in, seven in, boom, boom. Next thing you know, we bring it to Russell, and he heard um, Booming Systems, and that was it. Boom, you're like, yo, y- y'all want to do an album? Yo, it's done already. Why'd you do two versions of Booming System? Ah, because we needed an edited version, and we need one for ra- one was for radio. I mean, the In Vogue version was the version that, oh, that I heard. One, that one, okay. I heard that first on radio, right. and then when that I brought the record, remix. Right. I heard the... Like they're both on the on the single. They were both on the on single, single yeah, yeah. Both yeah. mixes were on the single, yeah, yeah. but on the album it was a, a, a different one. See, Philly Radio just played the In Vogue version. Right, right. So when I brought the record, I was ready for that, and I heard the bass line. I was like, wait a minute. It's changed a little. Yeah. I mean, I actually like the album version better now, but right. I always wanted to know, like, yeah, was there um, a problem? Um, I didn't want it to be because we when we made Booming System, it was straight off of In Vogue. It was straight off of In Vogue. You just looped it? Yeah, I just looped it up and, and let him go. But um, then we put the record out, and but the guys from In Vogue, the producers, Foster yeah, they was like, yo, we ain't going to sue you. Go ahead, bro. We gonna you know, but <laughs> was that an Aaron Fuse trap? Like, no, 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 it wasn't though. <laughs> so Beverly Hills Scott, take them bananas. <laughs> take them bananas. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but to be honest, that's one thing I can say about them. Back in them days, they was like, go ahead, bro. That's a banger. They, they was like, yo, you got it. I was like, wow, really? Dope. They was like, they just gave it up. They like, saw you, the vision because they knew it right. would make their shit right. even more official. Right, right. Wow. So they, they didn't even go at me. They was like, yo, go ahead, little brother, young brother. Go ahead, bro. They, they did me like that, and that was real good. They like the only cast that ever did that. Foster <laughs> Miguel boy, man. Foster, Foster Miguel, Miguel boy, boy. They was like, go ahead, little brother. Do your thing, man. I was like, whoa, okay. And yeah, we're going to fuck with you with that. Wow. 
That, just just do this remix for us, man. Oh, they hit you. Then they hit me with the. Oh, we want you to remix. Um, hold on. Did you? Yeah, I remixed it. Oh, yeah. So that's solid. Yeah, so it was like a it was like a trade off. They didn't even bother me. I was like, wow. I've... So did you feel pressure? Because at that point, I know that like LL got booed at the Apollo, and you know it was I... a new generation, and now his fate was in your hands. I felt no pressure with them because I already knew I knew what I could do for L. I think that everything I've done to cold chilling with cold chilling with heavy to up that point got me ready to get that Grammy with L. You, you get what I'm saying? Every, you know, it's kind of like I was in training. I was in training all my life, sparring and getting up to the, building myself in the ranks to get with LL and get that real shot. You get what I'm saying? Because by the time we did that, you know, it, it was great for his career and great for my career. What is it like to now see LL be the ambassador for the Grammys? Because here we are, like, years yeah. later, and he is the man. He's basically the spokesperson. Of course. Believe me, I fucks with him all the time. Believe me, <laughs> when he do these shows... I'm calling his ass before he hit that stage, and we always talking. <laughs> and I'm fucking with him. We laughing like a fuck. It's my dude. I fucks with him. You so, know what I'm saying? It, before he do most of those shows, he always get a call from me, and we, you know, I know they tape him early, so mm -hmm. I catch him in the morning right. and fuck with him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and we be laughing our ass off, and he go over there, and I tell him. Then the next day, I call him, yo, yo, yeah, this shit was so and so. Yo, I'm proud of you because I'm proud of that dude, man. I'm, so, he, I'm, I'm real proud of him. Was man. the folklore of his process real, where he like had to go back to his grandmom's basement and and Yo, write and get in that mood and yeah, he 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 lived at my. Does house. he still have that Queens residence? I, I, where I, he... I believe he still they still own that residence there. But when we did, um, Mama said knock you out. He literally came and lived at my house. He was that serious about. So did he feel like I have something to prove? Yeah, and... I'm I'm sure he did. Yeah, he had a lot to prove. Walking with the Panthers. Yeah, after walking with it, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, did he feel like, ah, man, like, I still got to come with it? Because it still yielded hits. Like, Big Old Butt was still getting yeah, played no on. Yeah. I forgot that. But he wasn't. He, was, was I, joint. I, think, I love that record. I, I think, to be honest, he knew what he wanted. You get what I'm he saying? He wanted the respect and the. He knew what he wanted. Because he came and told me, he's like, yo, you know, he started telling me this story. Yo, when I first heard Kane, I was like, oh, my God. When I first heard someone, so I was like, oh, my God. He's like, yo. How could I do this? You know, I'm like, yo, come on. You get what I'm saying? Prep, I gave him the prep. You get what I'm saying? And we went in there and just tore niggas down. At least give me the story of like making that record. Did you know it was monumental or was it just like, yeah, here's another beat? Um, I, I kind of felt that in a way, um, what it is, because Bobcat, you know, DJ Bobcat, mm -hmm. you know, he he had he had the sample. He had this, he had he, he had the kind of he had he had the um he had it sampled up right. on, on a disc and you know we was going through sounds and he was playing that and then I just added a drum to it kind of filtered it flipped it and and you know we let and then I let my you know I let my dude you know sometimes I what what started happening with me after a while I started I started not wanting to record people vocals sound familiar I hate recording vocals <laughs> yes yeah sometimes you know I I, I started after a while. I want to make the beats, but I I can't I can't stomach sitting here doing the vocals too much. So so finally someone that knows the pain. Yeah. So so <laughs> so I said to my engineer that day. I said to my engineer, just record LL vocals. You know, record it right. And I stood back and he was easily whining and then press play and record. 
And but LL didn't know what was going on. He said, "Come on, man!" Uh, uh, <laughs> and then the beat dropped. Uh, and I was like, "So that was a real that him was a, getting annoyed." That was really him screaming at the engineer. Poor what? engineers. I, I I was like a hip hop engineer. Abuse. <laughs> Start with Steve. <laughs> Start with all the abuse that engineers have to take at the hands of rappers and monitor monitor man. Uh, I had a question about uh, Mumsy Knock You Out, um, Milky Cereal, not Milky Cereal, Mr. Goodbar, the little mm. snippet. Nah, nah, I'm saying if it happened to me, it can happen to him. <laughs> what is, what is he talking Yeah. Yo, it's so funny. He just, we just decided to give it out a crazy intro. He just said that just to bug out. Uh, That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just, just give it a crazy <laughs> intro. And Murdergram was just. Yeah, Murdergram was his, his little story about. Um, but I mean, like, was it supposed to be live, live or like? Oh yeah, it was supposed to be live. I, I, we we, we kind of made that up to be live. Put the crowd in the back. But you uh, know, I think they tried to sue us for using the name Rap Mania. They was coming out of uh, everywhere. Really? Yeah, they was coming out of every everywhere. I'm like, come on, really? Side note: Does it, anybody have a copy of Rap Mania? Yeah, I think they I've tried been, to sue us. I've been trying to find that shit for That's years. That's crazy. Rap Mania's. It was a pay-per-view concert. Yeah, Rap Where Redman went out of his mind with the on the monitor man. I not nah, this, this was pre this pre, was pre-red. Yeah, this was like 90. Oh, we got we got to do some research. Somebody find Rap Mania. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I I remember cuz I remember yeah. asking my parents to Yeah. To get it on pay per view and they were like, "Nope." And that's why we oh. put live at Rap Mania on there because we was trying to act like we was on Rap Mania. Okay. Okay. So and that che- was and cheesy rap blues was a, was a, was his story talking about how they treated him after walking with, walking the, panther. with the panther. Say cheesy rap, you ain't all that. Yeah. It just hit me. He did to the break of dawn as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that makes number five. Like oh, you are. Tracks, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To the break of dawn. <laughs> can't handle the whole weight. You are. The f- yeah. Icy. <laughs> Who else was in that? We got this in that right now. Uh, oh, he got Cool Ice-T, D, Moldy, and right. Hammer. And Hammer. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. I know about Ice T and Hammer, but I didn't know that Hammer uh, and him had yeah. a situation. Yeah, yeah, it was it was he had beef with Hammer, Ice T, and um, Kumo D. He went at all three of them on to the break of dawn. Did not know that to the break. And of by dawn. the time ninety one, like Mo D was kind of, I mean, that was yeah, it was over right. pretty much. But because New Jack was kind of like going where it was going, you know what I mean? And in a lot of Mo. These tracks was kind of he was on that New Jack swing hard, yeah, all New Jack tracks. Well, yeah, Rise and Shine. Nah, Go see the doctor earlier. Nah, Ain't that funky? No, <laughs> see what God I'm saying? Made me funky. Ain't this funky? Funky, 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 wisdom, funky wisdom was. was uh, <laughs> no. Okay, thank you. But he was always lyrical though. Who you think? Who you, in the battle wise, who you think of rock? Um, Mo D or LL? What you think? Lyrically, yeah, real see, rap. Did you like Let's Go? I like Let's Go. I like Let's Go. We we, we did the L. Lethargic. Lethargic. <laughs> Luster. Lazy. Limber. Limited. So much alliteration. La, la, la. Linoleum. Limousine. Lollipop. Yeah. No, I like Let's Go. But lyrically, I think that was like, for me, like watching the L and Modi, like I always respect the Modi because he really was the only guy from like the original, original right, right, like mm. original, the original MCs. Old school. Got you. The old, he's the only one that survived. That's you true. know what I'm saying? That's so true. I always 100%. respected him. I just think it was a time where it was a thing where 
it was really like you were saying earlier, more like the old line versus the new line. And mm. to me, like Mo D had lyrics, mm. but LL could take his shirt off and nigga, it didn't matter no more. You know what right, I'm saying? Right, right, right. So it was like it was just kind of he was. I think he was as a lyricist. Mo D was dope, but um, he he was just kind of his time had passed at that point. I think of of the two LL responses. I mean, to the break of dawn was my favorite. But mm. again, I'm a music guy, so no, I'm with you. I like to the break of dawn too because the cause he was cool. And right. He was, like it was like it was either cool L or like Holland Jack right. Ripper L. Yep, yep. So and I always like just the cool. Like, How did you get L. cool L delivery on that song instead of his Holland um, joint? I had to, I, t- I told him that we can't scream no more. <laughs> That's so real. That's basically, it. we can't we can't be we can't be angry on records because you got to take a different approach. You got to you got to instead of screaming at him, you got to talk to him, and that's what we did. Kind of like with jingling. Right, Uncle L. He, that's when I told him, I was like, yo, we can't. Oh, he wanted to be super aggressive? Right, he wanted to do his vocals over the other way, kind of like the first ones. Right. They call me Uncle L, Future the Funk. Oh, <laughs> I was like, nah, 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 we're not going to really do that this time. Let's, let's, let's like, you know. It's, it's actually interesting you say it, because I first heard the, the biggest change in L's voice the first time I heard Boomin' System. Mm-hmm. Like, it, Man, so, it yo, sounded like a completely different person. I didn't even person. know it was no, yeah, L. Right, I didn't yeah, know it was him. No I just, it just came on the radio. I was like, who the fuck is this? And yeah, it and didn't even sound like Yeah. There was a lot of effects on the voice, too. So let me ask, because there's always a, the, the yin to the yang. Mm-hmm. Let's jump three years later. Gotcha. 14 shots of the dome. Okay. <sighs> no, God. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, no, because it was all, like, I remember that being the first review in the source that had consequences to it. Mm-hmm. And Russell was not having that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the original Mind Squad review, like, the first time that their record review could influence uh, their reader and it causing a, a, a response or maybe a retaliation or not mm-hmm. from someone in hip-hop, was that walking with a Panther record? Hmm. So, what was different about the process of fourteen shots to the oh. dome than Mama said knock you out? Because big, big, big difference. It should have been. It was supposed to be the follow up to Mama. It should have been the victory lap, right? Yeah. But guess what? Guess who started acting around that time? Uh, guess the who, hard way with Michael J. Fox. No, no. Guess who <laughs> went to go do the toy in the middle of my project? Uh, oh, that's right. He did, yeah, the toys joint. It was uh, oh, toy, yeah, with uh, Robin Williams. Right, right, right. So that's kind of what happens with that project. In the middle of the project, we losing focus. We in a zone. We we in in a zone. Next thing you know, yo, I gotta go away for nine months oh my to go God. do a movie. I'm like Dukes. We in the middle of an album. Hmm. So how long did Mama said Knock You Out take to record the album? Like two weeks or some shit. And then Wait, 14 what? shots. It was, was like real quick. He just like, knocked it out. Yeah, we was, we was banging him down like <laughs> Mama that. Mama said knock it out. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we, we was <laughs> banging him down like nothing. He, I told you, he came and lived, lived up the crib upstate. So we was making maybe two records a day. And then 14 shots was how long? 14 two. shots took about a year and some change to make. because 14 wow. shots took 14 months. It took, it took <laughs> right. too long because to now, now, you know, now, you know, he's coming like a week 
for like a record or two. I'm like, dudes, we we can't we can't make records like this, bro. We we we, we wasn't the same formula. We so you you feel that the disrupted rhythm, yeah, of not bouncing off each other. One hundred percent. That's exactly what. Oh God, now you're scaring me. <laughs> Stop <laughs> looking at me like that. No, no, serious. Because dude, one did he started you know making movies and then all of a sudden. We wasn't in the studio as much. We wasn't vibing like that. <laughs> Every like, wait, everyone listen. Everyone's looking at me like, "All right, Mister Nineteen Jobs, you better, <laughs> you better drop <laughs> everything and just fit next week." Mm-hmm. Uh, I no, hate hearing this but, story. But what it was though, you know, it's like he started focusing, and you know, he did good on that movie. And then all of a sudden, you know, that's when that's when the movie starts. You know, the movie started coming in, and the mm-hmm. TV and all of that, and you know. The album didn't really do well, like it should have, because we I didn't have no real time to do it. I didn't have no time. And then if I made something six months ago, this shit ain't hot it now. Ain't hot now, right? You get what I'm saying? Well, mm. when we when we made the other album, that shit was so hot off the press. Yo, the fucking reels was still warm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Did you do Crossroads? Um, Bruh, I, I was involved with it. <laughs> I was I was involved. <laughs> I was involved with it. They, they, yo, they made him. Yo, they made him make that. Wait, who's they? Well, wait, was his dad in the picture right now or? Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Hollering over opera. Because right. like, and the hollering came back. The screaming. The scream, yeah, you get what I'm saying. Coming, he was hollering. When I was that. listening, that's what I'm trying to say. Down. That's what I'm trying to Fuck, say. Him down. All the screaming came back. Well, because he probably felt. Especially after the heat of doing it on MTV Unplugged. Right, you remember right, the, the, the deodorant the year? Yeah, the yeah, deodorant yeah. years? Right. That. <laughs> and he did it at the MTV Awards with like, right. uh, he had a 90 piece band at the MTV yeah, Awards. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, Hit me 12 times. Right. You probably couldn't tell him nothing. He was back. Right. Oh, man. So you're telling me that he had to, (laughs) if he had more focus and did it in a concise time period of maybe a month or so, it would have been a different result. Yeah, I I believe if there was no toy movie. That was a weird fucking movie. It was so weird. (laughs) And then when I saw the movie, I was like, yo, that's what that was for, dude? That was a weird fucking movie. We did did this for that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, right, right. uh, We blew an album for that, (laughs) dude? <laughs> yeah, because because the movie didn't do well. I don't no, believe. the Joan movie. Cusack, didn't. That was a weird movie. Well, right. Wait, let's not totally tank it because I mean, Backseat of My Jeep was a classic. Yeah, yeah, Backseat of My Jeep yeah. and uh, Pink Cookies. The, Pink Cookies, but that remix though, the Pink Cookies. Oh yeah, the remix. Yeah, the Ooh. Moby remix. Moby was remix. Like, yes, yeah. crazy. Ooh. I like. No, no, no. They were too. yes. They yeah. were both. There was there was little there was, there was moments Stand on there, but it wasn't enough moments. I mean, like, Stand by Man was like. Stand by you, man. Was, mm, Stand by uh, you, man. So after that, like, what was the feeling, the aftermath of? Um, well, I mean, that's when I think the Trackmasters took over and then probably took all my beat loops and made everybody beats and, you know, did what they did. But no, I mean, you still had Lords of the Under. You still oh, had Oh, yeah, I, I moved on with Lords. Under I moved, you... Yeah, I moved on with Lords. Um, that's when Lords started popping. Funky Chow, Lords of the Underground, and so how um, did you meet them? Because they're straight, they're Jersey. Like, I, how? I, I, well, I had a, I had an idea of a group called Lords of the Underground. I had, I had the name, but I was looking for somebody who would be Lords of the Underground, and I, and I saw them perform. They, they used to be a group called 
New Jersey Funk. Oh yeah, that's a better name. Yeah. Lords of the Underground, better name. That's what yeah. I'm saying. So, so when I saw them perform, <laughs> I said, "Oh, that's Lords of the Underground." So I was like, "Look, I'm looking to do a group called Lords of the Underground, and and would y'all like to be them?" And they're like, "Yeah," because they had the energy and everything, and you know, and we made a little history with them. They they did really well. Yeah, yeah. They I mean, did really well. Psycho was oh, that when Psycho came out, that was the '93 beat to freestyle over. Wow. With, in in Philly, like, wow! I didn't even know. I some you know the funny thing about putting out these really? records, yeah. The funny thing about dropping out a lot of these records is regionally, I don't know how well they do. Like you said, that was a excellent rhyme and beat in Philly. Dog, I didn't know that was one of the top beats. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. That's what every cat in Philly wanted to freestyle. Wow, piece of Philly, piece of Philly, right, right there. That's real talk, man. Wow. Yeah, like I I felt like you were because. That was you really not even graduating, but again, updating your sound to right. modern hip hop. There you go. And I felt like, oh, okay, Marley's on a mission to really, to, like, not revenge, but like to let y'all know, like, I'm still in this motherfucker. Because it is hard. It's hard for people to last that long. Right. And still remain ahead of the curve with it, that sort of thing. So yeah, no doubt. I think with Psycho, I wanted to take it there. I definitely wanted to take it there because I felt there was a new group. I want to come with like a whole new sound and a whole new look for it. And you know, Psycho did what it did, and then you know we had to bust him in the head with Chief Rocker and all that other shit. Yes. Peace to K. Def. Where are they now? I'm um, Lords. They they performing. They does one of them live in Paris? Oh uh, yeah, the DJ lives in Paris. Okay. Um, do it all. You know he's running Jersey and um funky. He's in North Carolina, and you know they 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 still tour all over the world. They still every summer they on they go on those those festivals. They rocking. They they, I, they never stop yet. Oh, That's great. all I can say. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They still going. Just to make sure. Yeah. Um. All right. We're we're about to wrap up the show because you know mm-hmm. you you probably have a nine hour story. <laughs> um. But I always wanted to know the deal with On The Real with Nas. Nice. Where did that come from? Like, was that initially supposed to be on yeah. Illmatic? Or? Yeah, it was It was originally supposed to be on it. Um, and when he was making his album, he you know, just after he did a few singles and he was working on his album, and Biggie was out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had a concern. He, he came to visit me. I was surprised. One day Nas was at my door upstate. Mm-hmm. Oh shit, Nas is here. What up, baby? We talking, and we talking. He's like, "Yo, I'm ready to work on my thing." You know, I'm making my album. He said, "Yo," he said, "You think people still gonna like me?" I was like, Hell. "Is this for the second album?" Or? No, this is like the, that album. This one he was working on the album because he had the singles out first. Okay, okay. And the, the barbecue, you know, the barbecue right. was out, so he was he was hot. Right. The, but then Biggie came. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? And he came. He's like, "Yo, you think?" You think they gonna still love me? I'm like, dude, neither. You the nigga that said fucking you, you, you know, you went to jail for snuffing Jesus, nigga. Nobody's gonna ever forget that. Right. I said, matter of fact, you, let me throw you, let me show you something. Let me throw you on something. So I threw up the on the real beat, and his man, everybody, and it was like, oh shit, it sounded vintage though. Like how yeah. how long have you had that on? on- that was uh, I, I had that. I kind of like held that out for him because I already I- knew. That Nas would murder this shit. Certain beats I just hold out for certain artists. Okay. If I could just hear. Like I just got a I got a beat with with um Action Bronson. 
Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I had a beat that I know that would fit action. Mm-hmm. One day I met him. Yo, I got something for you. Threw it on him, and we got a joint. But, you know, sometimes sometimes I just hold out a beat for something I feel that'll go to an artist. So I put him on on the reel, and, and he loved it. He did people on verse on it, and his people kept telling him, yo, that's the shit. That's the shit. Yo, yo, God, that's the shit. So time went by. Mm. The album was almost finished. I'm like, I guess he ain't going to use the shit. Damn. You get what I'm saying? So I was like, fuck it. His album came out, he didn't use it. So I fucked around and put Cormega on it mm. and Screwball. You, uh, you get what I'm saying? Right. So it was like a QB song. So I wasn't trying to put it, I was just making a song just to, you know, just to have a tape around the hood. Fuck it, celebration with all. There was never no tape with Mega, mm-hmm. them, and Screwball on it. And then I think he heard it. And then when he's like, then he really didn't want to use it. But then when he did the anniversary, Ten years later, for Illmatic, he's like, "Yo, that was supposed to be on the joint. Let me put it on the ten-year anniversary version." So that's why he went back in, did his vocals back over, and then used it as his record. But it was originally supposed to be on the oh, first first album. I see. So that's why he put it on the tenth anniversary as a bonus because it was supposed to be there. So all the all the projects that you've done in your career, mm-hmm. and you've never never stopped making music. Like you yeah. made the collaboration record with Karis One mm-hmm. finally, mm-hmm. and all. The, like what is your what is your proudest moment as a creator? My proudest moment as a creator um is watching TV, watching myself win a, a Grammy. When they you know they mentioned our song and they mentioned the artist and who produced it, I saw it on TV. I didn't even go cuz I I didn't even think we was going to win. What? And and you know and plus cuz they wasn't they wasn't presenting our award. In yeah, the pre. It. Right. So they say, and tonight, so-and-so, you get what I'm saying? So they right. put us in that. And when I heard that, I was like, wow. I was home. I was like, wow. People started calling me, yo, you got a Grammy. I was like, oh, shit. So that was like one of my proudest moments. It's like it all boiled down to that. Where do you keep your Grammy? Um, <laughs> in, in the studio. Oh, okay. You still yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, keep it in the studio. There's some cats that use doorstop and yeah, 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 yeah. It's whatever. In the bathroom. I know, I know, I know. Toilet paper holder it's and the shit. Greatest place to put your Grammy, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No doubt. Where's you... yours at, uh, Bill? I it's in a shelf at my house. Yeah, it's in the shelf. You gotta do it. In the toilet. In the toilet. Okay. I toilet see. <laughs> Next to some other shit. Um, dog, I've learned so much about. I'm mind blown. Like, how much? I'm still working through the whole. Sh- and the- oh, yeah. Oh, oh, nice. I'm still working through that. And Whitney. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Bruh. I'm never using real hi hats again. That's for fucking true. That's what I'm trying to tell you, man. I'm just talking. I'm speaking. Because we so, you know, we so, we just using anything we could. You could. I had a fucked up mic. You know something? Stuff that didn't work. Man. As you say this, all right, you remember the group Switch? Mm-hmm. Used to be on Motown? Yeah, yeah. If you can, if you can listen to their second album, Switch 2, mm-hmm. they had a single called The Best Beat in Town. Mm-hmm. Now that I think of it, the hi hat on that was them. The Beatles did that too. For what song? It's in Revolver or some shit. Like you can hear them going. I have to see. Okay, I'm not making that up. That's true. No, no. I'm gonna go home listen to Revolver. Not. I'm gonna beat your ass. No. You really hear about it at some point. So that's fine. Well, Marley, 
uh, well, no, we got to do our reflections. reflections yeah. Yes, reflections. Where do we start? Fontigolo. Man, <laughs> what have I learned? What did we learn today, man? Man, I think I learned, you know, just so much. It, it uh, really, for me, just hearing Molly's story, it just reinforced for me to just kind of stay on the path um, that I'm on. Um, so much of our early records, you know what I'm saying, with Little Brother and, um, you know, they were just done on really primitive equipment. And, mm -hmm. you know, even to the point that when, you know, after, you know, you get some bread or whatever and you can build your own studio, my sh studio now is still pretty basic. You know what I'm saying? It's not a whole lot of gadgets and it's still pretty much a small space. So just to hear that all these classic records that I grew up listening to were essentially made just, you know, in some in his kitchen or at his crib. I mean, that's it just shows to me, I think, just. You know, it ain't really about what you got. It's not about the gear. It's about the person that's using it. You know what I mean? And just to hear the story of how you triggered samples before there was an SP. I mean, yeah. I remember trying to work an SP by my, you know, when it actually came out. And I was like, what in the hell? So just to even be doing it back then is really amazing. But um, but nah, man, it's, uh, his, his career for me is a big inspiration. And, um, you know, this is my first time seeing Bali since... Shit, oh three, like wow. future flavors. Well, we came future up. Future flavors. We came up. You did me, future flavors. Yeah. Me, Pete Rock, uh, little brother, the ninth pool. We all came up there, and uh, we did it at his crib. Sugar Steve, cool. what did you learn? Uh, infinite stuff tonight. Um, as an engineer, it's very interesting to hear the the early days of sampling and all the use what you got type of technology that I started out doing too on a double cassette deck not a four track um mm -hmm. but um and then all this stuff about um about uh how you were creating this, those songs that became classics for just for your for your radio show yeah. and making that connection between you know the old school DJs advancing things into the DJs making their own their own beats you know gotcha. and you know that's it's a big connection to make you know to understand uh, how hip hop started Yes, lessons abound. Boss Bill, um, it's the hi hats, man. <laughs> it's, it's, really, it's, it's it's the most mind blowing thing because one, that's one of my favorite beats ever, and it's mostly because of those hi hats. Oh, so it. just to find out that your mouth is the source of those hi hats just kind of fucked my head up. Right. So um, <laughs> that, yeah, that that's a major takeaway for me. I'm sorry. I wish I had something more substantial, but that no, dude, that, that blew my mind. He dropped many bombs yeah, tonight. Blew my mind. Unpaid bill. The visionaries and icons that come on the show all come from these places where they, uh, uh, the, the people that live around them or in the next apartment or mm -hmm. whatever are are integral parts of their visionary the status, Boys, right? Which is amazing. And so, like with with Marley, it's like Queensbridge and all the people in the thing, and like with Ray Parker was Detroit, right? And all the people out of Detroit, mm. and and both of you it did the same thing. Is when we asked you a question that we didn't know the answer to, like did you do this? Both of you said of course i did like we're the idiots <laughs> like like that's the dumbest fucking question I've ever heard. and i love that because it was like, it was like man shut up like, of course it's which is how i feel on this show just about every day it's so, a lesson <laughs> it's a lesson for all of us. no I, I'm, I'm joking but yes I, I i love that part of it thank you Laya. uh i i knew you were a legend before we had this sit down however i did not know you were a national treasure and i feel like the rest of the world, it just needs to be acknowledged. And I really hope that, you know, 
you and Amir continue this conversation with the, the Smithsonian because I don't feel like there should be a Smithsonian with the history of our culture inclusive of hip hop and you not be there yet. We need to get that board back. We don't even need we <laughs> no, whatever <okay>. he <laughs> whatever you got. The real, the real, the real. We got the real. Oh my the real. god, yeah, the yeah. real. That's what I just I just learned that like you need to be it needs to be a foreword by Marley on every like blo- hip hop blog that MCs or DJs think that is their Bible. Like, I got you. Yeah, well, Marley, I I really appreciate the fact that you had so much experience in this business. And you remembered a lot of detail yeah. mm-hmm. because yeah. that's that's kind of one of the hardest things about a show of the, this caliber where, you know, d- details become real shaky and, you know, people don't mm-hmm. remember things. And, you know, I feel it's like really important to document the stories right. and keep the tradition and the history going. Um, I'm mind blown by so many things, but let me... I, I feel very validated with the it's all about the guitar pedals. <laughs> gotcha. You just did an Instagram thing about that, right? That you're putting your drums through. Yes, I'm, and I'm going back to now. I, you can't tell me nothing. It's all about hey, gu- guitar, mm. <laughs> guitar pedals. Mm. Well, I thank you very much for your time, uh, Marley Maul. Give it up, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. What's Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see... See what music does to people. 
it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.